Where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. Podcasting from the Pacific Northwest, the caffeine and Sasquatch capital of the world, and home to the world's biggest Highland Games fans, this is Fork Talk. Will you fight? A podcast about all things Highland Games heavy events, competitive throwing, and the greatest sporting event ever invented on God's green earth, Sheep. And now, here are your hosts, Big Daddy and Hoss. But they'll never take our freedom! I, 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 I don't know the words after that. <laughs> so sing me another one that's worse than the other one. And I'm usually by my willy. I'm usually into the tequila by then, so I don't remember the words. You know, there once was a man from Dunglass <laughs> whose balls were made of cut glass. When he rubbed them together, they played stormy weather and lightning shot from his ass. His arse. Aye, 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 aye. Your father does push-ups what? over gopher holes. <laughs> All right, let's not go there. Oh, welcome <laughs> to Fork Talk, Casa de Fork Talk, on the eve of Cinco de Mayo. Yes, indeedy. Welcome to Fork Talk, episode Cinco. Oh, it, wait a minute. I didn't even see that, you didn't Big know Daddy. That? Nope. Cinco de Mayo, episode Cinco, it is meant to be. It couldn't be any better if there was a bunch of tortillas in front of us right now that we're eating. Mm, Yes. Even though I don't like them. Um, Welcome to Fork Talk, everyone. Who are you? I'm the Big Daddy. Who are you? I'm Hoss. Hello, Hoss. Otherwise known as Brett Lathrop. You're looking fantastically Polish today, Big Daddy. Thank you. I have on my Polska t-shirt. Yeah? I got it from... uh, Poland. All right. <laughs> or it, Korea, wherever it, they make them. It's a beautiful day. Um, we threw. Yes, we did. The sun is out in yep. our neck of the woods. It's an 80-degree day, which doesn't get much better in the Pacific Northwest. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's almost like having a nice day in the Pacific Northwest. And we're surrounded by the people we love. We've got our fantastic producer, Candy Sprinkles. The one and only... Your handler, Devilane. The Devilange. We also have uh, our interns here today. Intern Slim Jim yep. is with us and helping with AV. Yes, he is. Yeah. Hey, you know what? He's what? Yes. Did you know about his team? Yes. They won. They did. They, they won, won the conference championship. They won their JV soccer hey, league hey. championship. You didn't have to say JV. Nobody out there would have known. Well, he's... He's not ashamed of it. He's a freshman. He made JV. This is good stuff. Why is he giving you dirty looks? He's not giving me dirty looks. Why did he flip you off? You are. He did not do that. (laughs) Um, Our security, Meat. Meat. I hear he's patrolling the fence line in Canada, so keeping us safe from any... Canadians? Yeah, any invasion. (laughs) You know, those Canadians are. Any Canadian bacon invasion. Well, they're uh, they're not illegal aliens when they come here. They're undocumented immigrants. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yep. Um, website www.fork-talk.com Facebook at Fork Talk with Big Daddy and Haas That's indeed How many likes we got? You looked at uh, Yeah, it's up a little bit It's still not where you want it, I know But it is up to, I think, 210 That's up 10 from our last podcast Yep, it's getting Whoa. there Whoa Whoop-dee-doo <laughs> You know what? Shut it down no, we're not shutting it down. We're just going to keep forging on. Well, whatever. Yeah, I'm going like to shut a, it down so they get a password. Like a PR that's been eluding you for two <laughs> years, we're going to keep after it. Every PR has been eluding me for two years. 
Hey, say a little bit about our first sponsor. All right, let's do some sponsor shouts. First sponsor, of course, is our favorite sponsor of all time. Not that, that you know the other sponsors we don't love, but of course uh, we love anyone who gives us money, and therefore we love the Mattress Ranch. And this episode is brought to you and all you fine people by the Mattress Ranch. When you need a new mattress, you need to go check out the Mattress Ranch. I've told you that a hundred times, right? Yeah, they got okay. great uh, selection. They got yep. a great stock. Really nice people. No, no fuss, really, when you go into the showroom, right? No fuss, no muss. They're first, not hounding you. First of all, you can't miss the locations. We never wow. talked about this. But That's right. But one of the things that – was that our in, one of our intern animals? Yes. Yeah, that was our new intern animal. Yeah, Magnus. Maggie. Maggie, which is short for Magnus Ver Magnus and Samuelson Schmidt. Right. Well, keep it down, Maggie. Um, and if she doesn't shut up, she will be on the Barbie. You cannot miss a Mattress Ranch – Store. You can't. They've got 10 of them, by the way, around uh, Washington and Alaska. And why can't you miss them? Well, because they do this awesome thing where they're all painted real crazy colors, bright red and black and that kind of thing. And they've got the farm animals, kind of barn ranch type style, right? That's right. That was actually um, the owner, Max. It was his dad's idea. His dad's idea, the originator of the the company. Well, how many times do you drive around and you see a mattress place? You go, hey, look at the mattress place. You right. don't. You know why? Because nobody cares unless you're looking for a mattress. But if you go past their place, you see all these farm animals out there, these big cows and stuff. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? What a weird place. Yeah. But it sticks in your head. Yeah. And then the next time, you're, then you're like, hey, honey, we need a new mattress because, you know, I'm so awesome in bed that I destroyed <laughs> this one. <laughs> and, of course, the headboard's right through the, uh, the wall. Anyway, so you say, hey, you remember that place with the weird farm animals and all that stuff? Yeah. We should go there and see if we can get the mattress. Yeah, exactly. Um, So thanks to Mattress Ranch. Um, Also, we have um, our historical figure segment sponsored again by G4 Strength Unit. We'll talk about them when we get back. But thanks again. Shouts to them. We have a G-Force. We have a great show for you, folks. Uh, Big Daddy, we got current events. Yep. Yeah, pop culture and current events. We've got a little conversation on sheaf tape. Sheaf tape. You yeah, mean sheaf tape. Sheaf fork tape or yeah, taping sh- the sheaf? Sheaf fork tape. Got it. Although I have seen a sheaf taped with duct tape because it was a pile of poo <laughs> and it was thrown and then burned at the end of a, a thing. Shout yep. Enumclaw. That was Enumclaw. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about WOB, weight over bar or weight, weight for height bar. as it's yep. called. We've got our uh, one of our favorite segments, historical figure. One of my favorites always, and we all yeah. know that. And by the way, yes, they're still, as I always say this. Yeah, they're still talking about? Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, they are. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. I was gassing up the other day. <laughs> Were you? I was. And there's a propane uh, pump right over across the way, right? And this guy is smoking a cigarette and uh, filling up his propane tank. And I walk over. I go, hey, buddy. You probably shouldn't do that in front of the propane tank. And he goes, I recognize your voice. Aren't you from that weird fork show? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, let me tell you something. I don't really like your show at all, but that Abraham Lincoln bit you guys did was the bomb. (laughs) Speaking Uh, of bombs, I drove away. That place blew up. Wow, really? Yeah, thank God I got her. Yeah, good thing, yes. Uh, we do have an interview today, guest interview. Oh, yes, know? we do. We also have, um, I've heard, I believe uh, we're going to be talking with Fork Talk's official man about town. Breaking wind, I mean breaking news, <laughs> and correspondent. 
We have a correspondent. We He'll have be a checking in an international man of mystery. International man of mystery. I'm very excited. I wonder about where that. he is today. Don't know. Well, we'll find out. Yes. Hopefully, yeah. he'll give us a, a shout on that. He could be in Amsterdam. Exactly. He could be in. Who knows? Timbuktu. Who knows? He could be in Shanghai, China. Yeah. He could be in bumfuck Egypt. Is that a real place? I don't know, but no. you should stop with the swearing. <laughs> it's not swearing. Yeah. It's a town. Yeah. Um, how about some shouts for our... For what? Well, for just in general shouts. Just for, okay. Actually, what, do we, what we want to do is shout out to the Highland Games. Well, we shout out because we're standing on the shoulders of who? Of giants. That's we're right. Standing on the shoulders of giants. So we're going to do a shout out about the old Highland Games and, of course, you know... Uh, May is a big Highland Games month. It is. It's kind of the beginning of the year for a lot of areas. That's right. Yeah. A lot of big ones. And I want to. I want to always give a shout out to Victoria, one hundred fiftieth. Yep, coming right. up in a couple weeks. And, yeah, uh, we're looking forward to that. We're gearing up for it. Can't wait to get there. Um, that's our next <clears throat> podcast, is it not? It is. It's actually going to be a live podcast from the beer garden. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, on Saturday, in two weeks. In Victoria, British Columbia, for the 150th Victoria Highland Games, marshaled by or the official for it is um, the Duke of York. Yeah, uh, pretty interesting. Yep, and um, so we're going to be there live next to the beer garden. Probably not in the beer garden because it's probably a good idea not to do a podcast inside the beer garden. I'm going to be in the beer garden. But we will be doing it and we'll be doing field interviews and having people come and talk to us. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be like a red carpet event. You know, you watch the Oscars with your interview the people on a red carpet. It's the Highland Games version of that pretty much. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, any any pros, you know, that show up are going to be treated like they're... Exactly. Yep. Uh, So, Big Daddy, just this weekend, just... This weekend, these are all the games that are going on, right? It's just, cur- uh, just wow! Just this weekend, right? We got the Scottish Festival and Celtic Gathering in Bridgeport, West Virginia, hmm. and that the contact there is Alexander Alexandra Duncan Murray. Hmm. Nice. Uh, the Texas Scottish Festival is this weekend in Arlington, Texas. Aaron Woods is the contact there, and I saw a little post that Team Dickens is going to be there. Yeah, Michael oh, Dickens. Yeah. He's uh, on fire this year. He I think is on he's, fire he's up year. for a good year. He had he's a, not only a master, but he's a pro now. Is he now? Yeah. And he's he's wearing a beard now, and it's a fairly full beard. Yeah. yeah. Well, every so time he grows a beard every year, Adams. they have to hire Exterminator when he shaves it off. <laughs> so shout to uh, Team Dickens. Um, I, I love this next one. It, the, the official name is The Gathering, spelled T-H apostrophe. I like that. <laughs> Gathering apostrophe. And it's in Wakini, Kansas. Hmm. Doug Creasley, I think, is the AD. Um, Hattiesburg Highland Games in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Oh, that's Hattiesburg. Is that Hattiesburg? Yeah, my wife and her family are from there, and if they heard you say Hattiesburg, they'd beat your ass. Is it hot there on occasion, so it's like Hades? (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you, I threw there in November. Not we were in Hattiesburg, but I threw in the golf port games. Yes. That place was. It was November, and it was eighty-five degrees. Wow. Very cool. Uh, Jason Tisdale's uh, the name on that one. Um, this one's on my bucket list. Um, for those of us who, who don't know, um, I actually lived in Minnesota for many years out of the Minneapolis area. Land of 10,000 lakes. 10,000 lakes. And the Minnesota Scottish Fair and Highland Games uh, is there in Farmington, Minnesota. And Jeff Bryan's in that. And that one, Big Daddy, is a actual um, uh, candy sprinkles. What is it? It's not that one. 
No. Jay, the board worked. Wait a minute. The, it worked. She The just, one time I want information, we don't get it. She shook her head and said no. There's a Renaissance Festival south of there, and they do throw there, but this is separate. Uh, but anyway, I want to like get a, on that. Like an SCA Renaissance yeah. Festival? Yeah. Well, so basically you got a bunch of guys walking around with wooden sword beating each other. No, it's a cool one. It's a full-on. It snows yeah, there? full-on one. There's snow now. Yeah, actually, they've been getting a ton of snow in the Midwest. Really? They, oh, they got like several feet in a various areas around Chicago, Minnesota, and in the north. Wow. Just recently. So they're having a long winter. Look at the global sucks. warming. The global warming. Well, those guys want to throw and they can't get out. I feel bad for them. So I do too. I hope they come here so we can beat them. UHA Salt Lake County Cinco de Mayo Highland Games is going on this weekend. That doesn't in even Murray, make sense. Utah. He, uh, Lindsay. We're going to throw burritos for distance. <laughs> Tacos for height. You might. You know, they, they do the, the whole haggis for throwing competition at some of the games. So yeah, but haggis maybe, you could, but maybe you could throw a burrito. What I, what's cool is, I don't, did you see this? Todd essay created a special shirt for that games. That, you know, Todd, did you I, see it? I did. And I'm going to say something about Todd. Okay. I don't particularly care for him <laughs> or his wife. Okay. I'm just kidding. I like him both. <laughs> no, Todd is a is a hell of a graphic designer. I'm not sure that's his occupation, but he's, he designs he's all it. those shirts. I'm telling you what, people. So you, it's on Facebook. In fact, we'll have to go on to our Facebook page and do a share of it so people can see it. But it is it's a black T-shirt, and it's got this cool um, a gringo skeleton, you know, ombre looking guy with a with this big sombrero, and he's got the the gun belts and stuff and he's holding a i think a weight for distance mm-hmm. it's and he's a skull he's got a kilt on too right yeah a uh, kilt and he's all sculled up it's very cool i reserved one for myself by the whoa. way whoa no you didn't yes i did no you did not you can't wear a shirt if you don't do the games does that ring a bell oh what yeah i didn't realize i just broke my own rule isn't That's that right. interesting mm. ladies and gentlemen let me give you a little background about this story oh here. no wait a minute we're way over time I don't no think we're we not even close to overtime hey uh candy we good good for time that's what i thought thanks hey here's the deal so old brett Haas lathrop decided he was going to go to the masters world championships of course i didn't even know what was going on and he didn't tell me about it because he didn't want me to go i guess but anyway <laughs> He comes back with a bag of swag. This is Calgary, Alberta, two years ago. Yeah. Shouts to them. T-shirt, jacket, hat, bag. Water bottle. Water bottle, coffee mug, golf bag, you name it. Beer koozie. Every damn thing you could possibly have. Yeah, beer koozie. I got a story about that, too. So I, I said, hey, why don't you bring me back a shirt? He says, well, you know, Big Daddy... We got a little thing in golf where if you haven't played the course or haven't played the tournament, you don't wear the shirt. So basically, it was just like in your face. You're not getting a shirt because I competed there and you didn't. <laughs> so uh, I said, "That's my rule. Doesn't mean it has to be yeah. your rule." And so, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't his rule. Of course, every day for the next three months that he came back, what was he wearing? <laughs> one of the shirts, one of the many shirts that they gave him. A cool. They gave you like fifteen shirts. It was a badass shirt. I bought it. it had a cool guy pulling a weight over bar. That yeah. was the world. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> the funny, the caveat to that story is Bobby Dodd, dear old Bobby Dodd, went ahead and had a couple more made, sent one to me, and I wore it in front of Brett, and he got all teary eyed. I, I was, I was overclumped. Um, so you're breaking your own rule. And then finally, Niagara Highland Athletic Club. 
All Caught Games. That's a mouthful. All Caught New York. Yeah, All Caught New York. Paul Crest. So shouts to you for a Niagara. I assume it's near Niagara Falls or something like that, right? <laughs> I, you know, I would Northern so. New York, yeah. I would hope so, but I tell you what, if you drop one of those cabers in the water, you ain't getting it back. That's true. Very true. Anyway, those are all the games just this weekend, and there are 18 more in May alone going into the next few weekends. I, I so, think, you know, May is a kickoff for a lot of games, you know? It comes up a, a bunch because, you know, our sport is very obscure to a certain extent. Not a lot of people have heard of it. They've maybe seen a little bit of ESPN stuff the hell on you it. Say. And, but, but they're, like, wondering, like, how do you, I mean, you know, do you do like one or two of these a year? And they, they, they're absolutely like in our area, you can start in May and throw a dozen games between then and October and never leave like a couple states. True. Right. Yep. And people just don't get it. And here's an example just in May in the U.S. alone, there's, you know, eight ones this weekend. Yeah. And another 18 just in May across the country. So there's more of them than you'd think. It's amazing how um, popular the Celtic festivals are. Yes, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just goes to show you can't get enough uh, haggis, bagpipes, dancers, and poutine. Highland Games. <laughs> oh, poutine. Hey, speaking of poutine. Yes. Uh, Jones Soda. Yes. All right. We love Jones make, Soda. Yeah. Make, make, they make cream soda. They make orange soda. They make all kinds of flavors, They're right? They're a Pacific Northwest crew. I don't know how far afield they go, but for people that don't know, it's a kind of a boutique um, soda company. They're real, owned by Starbucks. Are they really? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But they make really good, high-quality, you know, good ingredients-type sodas, and they put cool labels on them and yeah. things. Yeah. You know, you know what their next uh, flavor is? What is? Poutine. It is not. No kidding. What? Yep. Poutine beverage? They're making a poutine soda. It's going to taste... I don't know what it's going to taste like. It probably tastes like crap, but, you know, <laughs> you know the bottom line is they're they're going to... They're doing it. I, I saw it on... Uh, I heard it on Danny Bonaducci. Really? I listened to him in the morning. They were talking about it. He didn't even know what poutine was. Danny Bonaducci. What? Yeah. Partridge family. Punk. Okay. First of all, for those who don't know, and we're going to have a whole episode about this, so we're not going to totally talk about it now. About all Danny right? Bonaducci? No, about poutine. Oh. But Jay and I, first of all, I discovered poutine first. I discovered it in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Don't ask. That's for another conversation. <laughs> don't tell. But I then, ex as we started going to Canada to throw, and we were going regularly with Big Daddy and uh, Devil Ange, it was, uh, I, ex I introduced Big Daddy to poutine. It is a Canadian delicacy. It's like a heroin addict giving it you your first dose. It is the simplest thing in the world, the simplest ingredients in the world, and it makes me want to cry get into the fetal position in the corner and suck my thumb. <laughs> it's that And that's good. pretty embarrassing when you're out to eat with this guy, you know, it's he's <laughs> laying in the corner sucking his thumb. It's true. But, but when he does that, I eat the rest of his poutine. <laughs> um, hey, some special web and Facebook shouts, right? First of all, I want to give a shout out to uh, Kaylin, the queen mowl. Yeah. She's been active on our site. Big supporter. Really thank, uh, thank you for that, uh, Queenie. I love the queen. You know, I'll tell you, she runs the Portland games. Runs the Portland games. People, they they ask you, how do you run a games? Let me tell you how you run a games. You run a games the way Kaylin, the Queen Mall, and her husband Carl run a games. Yeah, absolutely. Ninety athletes. Yep. A pro class. Yep. All the events. One day. One day. One day. The only event they don't do is Sheaf, unfortunately. Yeah, that's her only only bad thing. And their Brammer Stone weighs ninety six pounds. So those are the only two bad things about the games. But right. other than that, it's a wonderful <laughs> game. Portland Stone, it is. It, and I'm looking forward to it this year. Um, I want to give a shout to the Northern Rockies crew. 
Gotcha. Because they're actually one of the hardest working crews in the world because they not only do their local stuff, but they go all over God's green earth to do stuff for um, for their stuff. For the, the Rovers. Yeah, the yeah. Rovers. So uh, shout to those guys. Uh, Sean Pelfrey. Yeah. I want to give shout one to Sean. One of our Sean. biggest fans. I'm going to call him. He's a big fan. Let's call him our, one of our biggest fans. Yeah, right? I'm, loving, I'm loving Sean. I think he's our number one fan. I love the way it. Sean um, Pelfrey. You are Fork Talk's number one fan. Number one fan. And Super I know fan. you're going to hear this because you're listening. Super fan. Um, and I, although the likes aren't where you want them, I wanted to give at least shouts to people who are liking it. Last few people that have been uh, liking our Facebook page, Bill Moore. Yeah. Chuck Smith. Wait a minute. Bill Moore? Yeah. He's a good, he's a friend of the families. All right. Yeah, he's a, he's a real nice man. Him and his wife, uh, they represent Clan McGregor. They hang out with my mother-in-law and that. And oh, cool. He, they are the sweetest people. Cool. Chuck Smith. Uh, Matt Thompson. And uh, Josh Goldthorpe. Yeah, one of our Canadian brothers yeah. actually came down to do our little mini games. He did, yep, yep. yep. Uh, a, a newer pro really uh, kind of getting in there. I got a little shout out. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a bone to pick shout out. Mm-hmm. This goes to Steve Conway. You listening to me, Steve Conway? Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Is this thing on? Yeah, it's on. I want to make sure you're listening, Mr. Conway, Mr. Steve don't, Conway. Don't, don't start stuff you don't want to finish. Hey, I don't care. The, he holds the keys to important things to you, like he Pleasanton. The, he does. Yes? He does that. So but I've got mind pictures your of him words, in weird positions. Mind your words carefully, because he has the keys to the, one of the greatest games of all time. After I tell you this, you're going to want to kill him. Uh, no, really? Yeah. Well. You know what he said on Nazga? I got your back. Yeah. Guess what he said on Nazga? What? said that Chief shouldn't even be in the Highland Games, any of them. He said the only thing you should do with a Chief fork is use it for gardening. What did what did Brebner get to him? <laughs> you, I don't know. But you better be careful because Denny will be after him. You better wait. Uh, Denny. Uh, do you hear him? Don't say it. No, no, no. I don't hear him, but let's not say it. The last time it. we mentioned his name, he showed up. Let's not say it too loud, right. okay? Yeah. But anyway. Conway shows a picture of his garden with some crappy old pitchfork in it. And he says, hey, Jay, Big Daddy O'Neill, this is the only use for a sheaf fork. Oh, so, Steve, we need to have an intervention. You're dead to me, Steve Conway. All right. Hey, on Facebook, uh, Jeffrey Williams. Yeah, Jeff Williams posted a pic. A My man. Pic. He picked a, a great pic of Miles Wetzel's Santa. Yeah, Wetzel, he, he drew out <laughs> his beard, and it looked really cool. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Cass, hey, sorry for that fork tine breakage. You're going to have to uh, bone up and... Uh, and uh, get a new one. You know what I like about that? He didn't try to make it into a two-tine. He just threw it away. That's true. Well, I did I did promise, of course, to um, bring the haunting of Denny on him <laughs> if he ever tr- if I ever saw that fork in play. The curse. <laughs> um, Batman and Robin slap cartoons. I'm sorry, but those were really <laughs> awesome. They started with just, you know, hey, I won the overall. And, and Batman's basically bitch slapping <laughs> there was no Robin. Sheaf. There's no sheaf. Oh, my gosh. Those are awesome. Um, shout to Kittrick Sonnenson. A couple episodes Man, I ago, love that name. I know. A couple episodes ago, we basically said that name is Rockstar, and he posted, "Yes, as a matter of fact, I am a rock star." Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you if I ever have a kid, I'm gonna name him Kittrick Sonnenson. I'm sorry, Kittrick. Of course, I'm, I'm 50 years old, so yeah. that's gonna happen. Your name rocks. I want to be you, and that's it, Big Diddy. Yep. We, we got to get out to the next segment. Yes, indeedy. All right, let's go. Out. I was in the Virgin Islands once. I met a girl, we ate lobster, drank pina coladas. At sunset, we made love like sea otters. That was a pretty good day. Why couldn't I get that day over and over? Uh, Big Daddy? 
Hoss. It is time for current events in pop culture. Indeed it is. Yes, it is. He said, I'll love you till I die. Oh, man. First thing up on the pop culture, the passing of an icon. I'm tearing up, brother. I'm tearing George. George Jones. George Jones. Died at the age of, was he, 80? Yes, he was 80. And uh, just obviously someone who most of country western music uh, point to as someone that inspired them. Yep. Right? He had an active career from 1954 right up to 2013. Fantastic. I mean, he had a career as long as most people live. Well, when they were talking about uh, his passing, I remember them saying that he had a top 10 hit, or uh, I think something like top 10 or top 20, yeah. in um, four or five different decades. Yes. Yeah? Yes. So, yeah. I mean, that's insane. That's longevity. It is. It is. Probably, I don't know that we're going to see that kind of longevity in today's, you know, stars, you know? It's true. But speaking of longevity in today's stars, and stars have passed. Yes. I happen to have a special talent. Oh, do you? Yes. Okay, tell me. I'm going to just keep that playing in the background. Yeah, you should, please. I really like that song. I can listen all day. Okay. Um, Basically, I'm a country music star death procrastinator, prognosticator. Okay. I like to put it off. (laughs) Get it? I like to put... Yeah, never mind. Anyway. So, that being said, I have a list of people who are probably... You know, not going to be with us very much longer. Okay, so like a death list. This this happens occasionally, right? Yeah, in fact, yeah. you can bet on it in Vegas, like who dies next. Yeah, they something. call it the Deadpool. Yeah, that's it, Deadpool. Clint yeah, Eastwood yeah, starting yeah. that movie. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So, so who's on that top three? I'm a little worried about, uh, you know, Willie Nelson turned 80. Yes. yes. I don't, he's not going to see 81. He seemed, really? No. Really? Mm-hmm. Nope. Wow. Uh, I don't know how he dies, but I know it's, it's, it, it's just going to be tragic because he's going to die. Wow, I, I have it hasn't come to me yet as to what's going to hurt him or kill him, but it's going to happen. Wow. Okay. 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 Wait a minute. I just got a, I just got a premonition. Yes. He's going to be shot in the back by a jealous husband, <laughs> crawling out of a two-story window. Wow. What a way to go at eighty years. Eighty years old. Wow. Congratulations, Billy wow. Nelson. Hey, at least 80, he's still years, on the job. Eighty years, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 80 years young. Okay, who else? Big V for Viagra. Who else? Uh, Waylon Jennings. Oh, really? Nah, I'm sorry. I love him, I'm though. sorry. Well, you know, his son is a singer. Oh, is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Really? And a bit of an actor. Huh. As a matter of fact, he was in uh, that Johnny Cash movie. Was he? The story of Johnny walk, Cash. Walk the Line. Walk the Line, with, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Cool. Uh, and who's the last one? Well, I have two last ones, actually. One's not going to die, but the other one is Kenny Rogers. Really? Yeah, he's going to choke on one of his chicken bones. <laughs> you know, you that Kenny Rogers fried chicken. I, now I'm more worried that he's going to go like Michael Jackson with all the plastic surgery he's having. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> every time you see him, you're like, wait a minute, is that? No. I, he's had so many facelifts, his belly button is in the small of his back. Let yeah. me just say that much. Okay. He just got in the in the Hall of Fame for the country music, I think. For plastic surgery? <laughs> no, yeah, I okay. think just general. So my last one is uh, Garth Brooks. Oh, really? The well, wait a G. minute. He's quite young. What's going to go on there? He's not going to die. Okay. He's going to be performing probably at the Puyallup Fair, I believe. Okay. Okay, or some state fair in the area. He's been playing in Vegas, actually, quite successfully, but now he's in Puyallup. Okay. Yeah, yeah yep. well, I mean, he's going to tour. Yeah, maybe at one of the casinos. Pretty much. Okay. He's going to have a minor stroke on stage. Wow. During that minor stroke, he's going to piss and shit his pants at the same time. Well, that does occasionally happen when people are in distress. Unfortunately, yes. he's wearing white. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. That's not good. The embarrassment 
is going to drive him off the stage, out of show business, and he's going to rent out the top floor of the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas, yes. where he will live for two years until they finally ask him to leave. Like Howard Hughes and grows fingernails and pee in jars in the corner? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> he's, um, he's going to actually he's going to lose his entire fortune at Bellagio okay. on Pygal. <laughs> It's true. I'm telling you. I, I, it came to me in a dream. Oh, uh, well, that's good stuff. Yeah. You heard it here first, yeah. folks. Well, uh, Breaking news. George, uh, love you. Yep. Um, God bless. You know, I assume, hopefully you're in heaven. I don't know him personally, mm. but let's just hope, yeah? Yeah. And, uh, He's probably a couple of years to make up for it. His music will live on forever, though, I think. Yeah? Yes, it will. All right. We love you, George. Bye-bye. Uh, um, pop culture, uh, other things. Hey, take that down, Slim Jim. Take it down. Thanks, brother. I could listen to that all day. I, uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. good stuff. Um, other thing. So did you hear in the paper or the news lately, um, Big Daddy, about this Mars mission? Yeah, you know, I did hear about that. Yes, of course you did. Um, and that's because, Fork Talk Nation, I'm sorry, but although we're going to have a, a successful podcast and have thousands of listeners all over the world for the next 20 or the next decade, yes, <laughs> 20 or the eight, next decade. 20 or 10 years. Yeah, I, was, I was having trouble <laughs> counting. Uh, I forgot to take my shoes off. <laughs> so, but uh, the next decade. But, put, put them back on. But please. I'm sorry, but in the in the year 2025, there will be no Haas and Big Daddy on the planet Earth anymore. Why not? Because you and I have signed up for that Mars mission. We did. For those who don't know, there's a group who are actually taking reservations for people to go on a spacecraft that will fly to Mars. They're going to be sending various supplies and things uh, for hydroponics and all that going uh, for years. And then in 2025, um, we head off and we arrive in Mars and we live there. And the big thing about this that hit the news is people signing up, one, are auditioning. They didn't even really care. As soon as we called them, they're like, you're in. Right. And secondly, that it's a one-way trip. You're not coming back. Now, the good, the good news is it was free because Haas had enough points from all of his traveling around the world. <laughs> That's right. That we got it for free. Exactly. Now, Devil Ange and uh, Candy Sprinkles aren't happy about this. No. But they've got till 2025 to basically... Bar, bust our balls about it. Yeah, <laughs> true. And to get over <laughs> it. Um, but the reason why we're doing it is really simple, and all throwers will understand this. The gravity quotient is um, not what Sir Isaac Newton uh, discovered for Earth. No. Oh, no. no. It's less than Yes, Mars. indeed. You can get a little bit of extra lift. Mm -hmm. And that means our PRs are going to go up by at least 20 to 30% just by being there. That's right. That's right. So we will hold all... Field, world, <laughs> Mars records for the distance events and the height events, and no one else will have them for a very long time. Yeah, we'll probably turn the caber three times in midair before it actually lands. Oh, we'll, we'll have to make new rules. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll basically make you know new uh, Garmin rules about everything in there is <laughs> in Mars. No, yeah, basically. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go there. That's okay. Yes, anyway, um, Mars mission. Now, I can't, I'm looking forward to it. How long is the trip? You know, it's a long time, multiple years to get there. Years. Yep. Yep. Oh, we got time to practice and lift. It'll be good. I better get something for air sickness. <laughs> Your space sickness. You space. Mean. <laughs> Whatever, brother. And of course, as we talked at the top of the show, Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Episode five, Cinco de Mayo. So had uh, a guy walk up to me one day. He says, "Hey, Cinco de Mayo. What day is that?" <laughs> the 
May of fifth. The May of fifth. <laughs> um, the now there's it's interesting, Big Daddy, because the the, the Cinco de Mayo really people I think misunderstand a little bit. First of all, it's it's actually the commemoration of the Battle of Puebla. Puebla. Yep, which was May fifth in eighteen sixty two. And it was an important battle against the French, led by Napoleon III. So the French were actually trying to invade Mexico and establish it as a kind of a new world empire. It didn't work? Yeah, it didn't. The hmm. Mexican army, led by General Ignacio Zarcoza Sequin. Wow, what a name. Yeah. And, it better, uh, be, better be important. Well, and they were, dude, they were outnumbered by the French, two to one. <laughs> but as as has been, I think, learned in a lot of wars around the world, um, when you're outnumbered but you're on someone else's turf, uh, you got to bring more people. Because when you're outnumbered by the French, you're not outnumbered at all. Well, this is true. We, we bailed can, them out of two big ones, can, and all we got was mayonnaise. We, can, I, we talked about this last time. They gave us lots of things. However, <laughs> the French, or cheese-eating surrender monkeys, as we like to call them, uh, <laughs> Haven't been, they were a powerhouse for a while, but they've they've kind of gone into the let's let everybody else handle the. Well, issues. I bought a French white rifle once. You know what? Never fired, only dropped once. <laughs> anyway, the victory was celebrated throughout Mexico. Right now, here's what's interesting. So people don't realize. So at that same time, we were actually dealing with the American. We had Civil, our own war going. Yeah, on. the American Civil War. So the as the French were trying to take Mexico. The American Confederacy was courting Napoleon's help for the United States, right? So mm -hmm. luckily, because of the impressive victories by Mexico over France, it delayed them in really helping the Confederacy in any way. <laughs> so basically, the war would have been over a lot sooner had the French showed up. Yeah, it, it, it um, you know, what are you, you going to do, right? So... Um, and the other thing that would have changed is that, that some of the scholars think that if that had been different, then um, it really could have been different because the French and the Confederates together could have maybe taken control of the continent from the Mason-Dixon line down to Guatemala hmm. and you know put in some weird oligarchical slaveholding environment, right? So, I mean, it's just a hypothesis, but, right. it, you know, world events could have changed very much if that was all French territory instead of Mexico. I got a hypothesis about that, too. Yeah. I think had the French beat the Mexicans, mm -hmm. I think that when you went to a Mexican restaurant and yeah. you ordered, say, a burrito, instead of sour cream, they'd put mayonnaise on it. That's true. And it wouldn't have been a flour tortilla. It would have been a crepe rolled <laughs> a in crepe. beans. It would have been a crepe. <laughs> I fought in your general direction. Uh, so, and so what's interesting is, so the celebration of it as the Battle of Puebla has really evolved because as Latinos in California and the U.S. and all over the, the southern border states basically started to celebrate Cinco de Mayo in parades and stuff, they really started kind of twisting it to more of a civil war type of thing and how the Battle of Puebla fit into um, U.S.'s struggle for independence and Mexico's battle against French, which was kind of an independence thing, even though it's really not technically their independence day, basically. Right, right. And so that um, kind of evolved. And then you had so many uh, Latino and Mexican influences in the United States as we started to grow. Um, what you had was it evolved basically as Cinco de Mayo into kind of the 4th of July for them. Because a lot of the Mexican-Americans who'd been living in the U.S. for a long time really didn't connect with it being a battle against the French. Right. They just thought of it as this 
battle for the independence of Mexico. And as they're trying to celebrate Mexican heritage while being an American, they just started, you know, creating a, a food and, you know, celebratory thing about it. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. Right. And that's the way it evolved. Well, I got to say is this. Most people, I don't believe, know what Cinco de Mayo is all about. In fact, what you just said mm-hmm. would be foreign to, say, nine out of ten people if you asked them. Probably. And the tenth person, probably an idiot. Probably, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I think they just look for a way to celebrate, and they celebrate. Now, I, I, It's like St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Everybody celebrates St. Patrick's Day, and not everyone's Irish, right? Well, exactly. It, they, they've, they've likened it that, to that, right? That's right. Very, very similar. What Do you have a favorite Mexican food, Big Daddy? Do I have a favorite Mexican food? That's a good question. Because I don't know if you like Mexican food. I'm not Do a you? big Mexican food guy. You know, okay. uh, I don't like I don't like gas, and I don't like uh, <laughs> having my food come up into my mouth three you're, hours later. You're not a real big spicy guy, although you like a spicy chili. I like a spicy wife. I got a spicy <laughs> old lady. Devlin, my name is Devlin. Yeah. Yes. I would say if I liked anything, it would be like a uh, burrito. Yep. You know, with a lot of meat in it. Mm-hmm. Not a garden guy, you know. Yeah, I get A little it. sour cream. Yep. A little, you know, refried mm. beans perhaps. Yeah, I love fresh, you know, tortilla chips and salsa and good I'm burrito. I'm hungry talking about it now. Yep. Um, so there you go. That is... Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. yeah. So everyone out there celebrating Cinco de Mayo from Fort Talk, make sure you uh, have a designated driver. Make sure you be careful what you drink. True. And be if careful. you're drinking with anybody like Chad Wilker... Uh, make sure you pick up the check and don't drive them home. <laughs> well, and I happen to have a, a beer in my oh, hand. Oh, yeah, you do. I, you know what? I have as a drink in my hand as well. Yeah. Well, let's toast to everyone. There's a toast Cheers. to everyone. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo, by golly. All right. Here's a little drink for everybody. <sighs> Yummy. Next topic. He's blunt. He's pissed. He'll see, see you in the list. Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. He's blunt. He's had. He's gone from All right, Big Daddy. Us. Uh, we uh, just got a call in from our international roving reporter. Oh, yeah. Yeah? The one, the only. Yeah, the man. Of mystery. The man of mystery. And um, uh, really, <laughs> this international man of mystery is is really going to join us on occasion and f- from who knows where, right? Yeah. yeah, you never know where he is. I mean, one one day he's, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But he's such an international roving dude. He could be in Paris one day. He could be in Germany. He could be in China. You never know. Yeah, you, so. never, you never, you, you never, you never know. Yep. Um, Spreading the word of Sheaf. And of course, he has his own intro music. Yes, he does. Yeah, which we love. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I okay. could just sit here and listen to this all day. Right. Wait for it, people. The international man of mystery for Fork Talk, our Fork Talk roving reporter, Miles, Miles Wetzel. Hey, well, brothers. The man. How you doing today? What's up, brother? Uh, I'm doing fabulous. Now, out of all of our guests, you've got your own music. How does that make you feel? Uh, very special. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Fork Talk, Miles. Good to hear from you. Thanks for um, not cashing the check that uh, Fork Talk Nation sent out for your roving reporter abilities. It was a two-party out-of-state check, so it probably... <laughs> As we say in insurance, the check's in the mail. That's right. 
Well, so Miles, tell us a little bit about what you got on your mind out there uh, that we should make the Fork Talk Nation aware of. First of all, where are you? Um, I'm in a critical area. I'm within 15 feet of the refrigerator. Oh, <laughs> that's international boundaries right there, my friend. That's right. That's right. So I'm in a, I'm in the critical zone. My wife is currently preparing a Boston butt for us to have this evening Ooh. with a potato salad. Man, your wife is awesome. This is a shout-out to Cheryl. Tell her I said hello. Tell her Haas and, and Big Daddy say hello. A Polish Czechoslovakian girl. Man, you better stay on your toes with that one. She's from Chicago, too, a yeah? Wick, wicked combo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love them Polacks. Are All we right. going to talk about the difference today in uh, using a fork for the 20-pound bag and the 16-pound bag? Yeah, that's what we're thinking about. Why don't you want to give us a little insight on that? You know, a lot of a lot of people probably don't even realize the difference. You know, they, you know, some of us masters, you know, uh, like an Eden Claw, I'll throw a and I have to throw a 20-pound bag, and then I'll throw the 16 when I throw a masters class. Uh, give us some advice. What do you think? Uh, what do you think we need for the different uh, heavy bag? For this 20 versus 16. Well, clearly, I'm going to be speaking about a three-time because <laughs> I'm just not a two-time believer. Uh, show me the world records with a two-time and uh, convince me. But until then, let's talk three-time. Amen, Amen. Brother. The brother, brother Miles speaks. All right. Well, you, you know, you're talking about transferring the energy from your body into that bag. And if you have three times, you have just you have 50% more surface area that you're transferring into that bag with. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. But with a 20, it's a, you know, it's a much heavier bag. Um, you really feel the weight on that. And especially when you're cranking into that, moving towards the, your left side, towards the delivery, and it's all in the flex of the tines. With a 16, you can, you want some flex and you'll feel that with the pop coming off there. But the, the same fork with a 20 might be a little too flexible, where you're going to need a stiffer fork with a thicker tine. Hmm, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've, uh, I've witnessed that on occasion where we had a guy in, um, in the Eamclaw who used a – it was actually a three-tine fork. but No, it was a two-tine. And he broke one of the tines off, and the fork went flying in the crowd. Wow. Yeah, I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> Sean Langford from Canada. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he did uh, it twice, actually. That's what's so funny about it. The, the bag went into the crowd twice and just landed on a chair between two people. You know, my own, uh, we, we talked about the, the great throws and everything, but the reality is, is in the southeast, we throw a lot of sheaf, and there is a lot of great sheaf throwers here. And when I started off, I have hit everything. I mean, <laughs> you know, you talk about I've hit a chair. Of course I've hit a chair. I've hit uh, the AD who had a broken foot in the golf cart. Nice. Um, <laughs> I hit a blind person in the crowd. That's 100 points. <laughs> now, first of all, it's unique that a blind guy is going to come to the Highland Games to watch. But, you know, I yelled, look out, and he didn't have either one. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Man, that poor guy. That's good. He probably put, he probably maybe put the stick in front of him to see the bag coming, but it didn't work. 
Maybe it's like a drunk when you're, um, you know how uh, people who are unfortunately drinking when they're driving, they get in an accident and they're just yeah. kind of, they don't see what's coming. So they're okay to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. Maybe maybe he didn't get as bruised because he didn't know it was coming at him. Well, it's probably funny. The rest of the crowd moved and he just stood there. <laughs> he just took it. That's and nobody told him to look out or anything. Get out of the way. Not right. yeah. That's not right. It's a heavy implement. <laughs> you had anything else there, uh, Miles, besides uh, world records, of course? Yeah. No, no, of course, you know, in two weeks, we've got the Masters World Championship, and everybody's uh, getting geared up mentally and physically for that, and uh, I am also, where I'm excited. I was out this morning and, of course, was in the gym last night, Yep. and uh, we're in the home stretch, the peaking stage, and then going to have that final week, and boom. Yep. Awesome. Have you been been practicing your your sheaf lately? Been trying to get up there? Absolutely. Tuning it in? Are you, are you keeping an open line of communication with your fork at all times? <laughs> of course. You've got to stay close with your fork. My fork travels with me at all times. I keep that in the truck right there in the back seat behind me. Yeah, you see, that's, My, yeah, I learned that from you, Miles. Well, in our interview, Miles uh, had talked about the fact that he occasionally needs to look over at his fork and gain some strength, you know, in situations where he needs a little yeah. extra, you know. That's right. When days aren't going so well, he looks back at that fork and boom. Yeah. Yep, it's fantastic. You feel the love. That's right. Feeling the love. Well, I'll tell you what, Miles, we are feeling your love, that's for sure. The man about town, the international man of mystery. That's right. Yeah. man. Hey, hey, Miles, um, when, what is the world record that you're going after? Well, you're, you're 32 feet. 32 feet. 32 feet where I need 32.6 or, or more than 32 feet is the current world record. Okay. And uh, and I need more. Good. Yeah, you got. I have it. to do something now because uh, Gene Flynn is turning of age, where he'll enter this class next year, and we we know what Gene's plans are. Yeah, and you know what? Gene Flynn turns fifty the day after your games is uh, coming up, the, the, after the World World Masters. Yes. <laughs> wow. And uh, <laughs> you know he is just. You know, we know what we know what yeah. Gene can do with a bag. He is Gene just is, phenomenal. He is a monster. One of the greatest sheep throwers ever. That's right. Well, hey Miles, thanks for uh, thanks for talking. Thanks for being on our show again. As always, we're going to keep you as a regular uh, regular guest and be our roving reporter. Yes, he's the man about. I appreciate town. the invite. I really do, amigos. All right, brother. We, we, All right, happy Cinco de Mayo, Miles. That's right. Now go eat some. Boston butt. <laughs> that doesn't even sound right. I want, Gracias. You, I want you to take the field at Worlds. We'll be yep. thinking Thank about you. you. Yep, we'll be we'll be with you in spirit, brother. Have a good one. Appreciate you. Bye bye. All right, bye. Woo! Ba 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 ba. Claridge High Tech semi-automatic nine millimeter pistol. Two downtown. I agree. M24 shotgun pump action. Five round magazine. You know what? You're not a hunter. What am I talking about? I'm getting rid of it. This is the FN 2000 from Belgium. It should make something better than waffles. It's beautiful, but I can tell this isn't disco enough for you, so I'm going to put it right here. We're looking at a Milcor 40 millimeter grenade launcher. Tear gas, smoke, hippie control. You're tough. Let me tell you something. Size does matter. Don't let anyone tell you different. 
This is an M134 762 minigun, six individual barrels, the torso taker, powder maker. Our boys in uniform call it Uncle Gaspacho or Puff the Magic Dragon. Okay. These are the Cubans, baby. These are the Cohibas, the Monte Cristos. This is a kinetic kill sidewinder vehicle with a secondary cyclotrimethylene trinitramine RDX burst. It's capable of busting the bunker under the bunker you just busted. If it were any smarter, it'd write a book. A book that would make Ulysses look like it was written in crayon. And it would read it to you. This is my Eiffel Tower. This is my Rachmaninoff's third, my Pieta. It's completely elegant, it's bafflingly beautiful, and it's capable of reducing the population of any standing structure to zero. I call it the ex-wife. Big Daddy, yes. next topic. Hoss. Sheaf tape. Sheaf tape. Yes. This is actually near and dear to my heart because I enjoy putting tape on sheaf. If there was an Olympic event. Oh, okay. Uh, called taping of the sheaf fork. Yes. You, sir, would be a bronze medalist. I- <laughs> <laughs> In the Special Olympics. Why, thank Whoa, you. Hey. Why, thank you so much. I only meant that because you're special to me. You're special, brother. Yes. Um, so... First question is typically tape or no tape. I say yes. Yeah, I, I've i seen people who don't. Right. Um, and as we've talked before about sheaf forks, um, the Eastern guys tend to not really doll up their forks much. No, they, they don't, don't put a lot of tape no. on them. They don't even tape the hand the handle by the tines. They don't much. do anything with the tines either usually. They, yeah, yeah, they just, they're, they're smooth and all that, and yeah. they do the longer ones, and there you go. I like a little tape. Yeah? You do. I do. Um, now, the type of wrap, so the technique that you can do, um, first of all, you can tape both the handle mm-hmm. um, at, uh, on your uh, on the on, on your offhand on yeah. your offhand, yeah. and you can tie. You can actually tape the tines themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, so on the tines, I think people like to tape them just because sometimes, depending on your hand size and what feels comfortable. It, it doesn't feel great just holding the metal. Right. Right. Um, and I actually, I, t- I go back and forth, but I tend to not like to throw with a glove on mm-hmm. my hand that's on the tines. Hmm. Some people do. I do. Yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. And that obviously gives you a little bit of cushion on the tines. But if you don't like to just go uh, bare hands, then a little bit of tape to get it a little bit more round. Because mm-hmm. the, the tines can be quite thin there, right? Yeah, so yeah. putting some tape yeah. around them to build up some bulk. Yeah. Now, I'm not a big Even with the glove, I like it bulked up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not a big fan of putting um, – I've had people who put, like, the foam that you put around a pipe to insulate it on there and mm-hmm. then tape around that to get it extra big. Yeah. Not a big fan of that. Uh, and I've also seen people um, – and I didn't even think about this when we were, when we were putting the topic together. But people who want really – they're so against the, the feel of the handle. Uh, and on a proper three-tine handle, you should have the middle tine between your two middle fingers, right, doing the spot grip yeah. basically. yeah. People who don't like that, they've actually built handles down on the base of the tines. Like a little bar. Yeah, Yeah, a bar that you put between the three tines or the two tines, and you pull on it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I dissuade people from that because it it ruins the flex of the... Of the tine, right? Yeah, depending on how long the tines are, you're taking the bottom three inches sometimes off the off the tine. You're taking some really flex are, yeah. off of it. You're taking some dynamicness off that fork, you, I think. Didn't you used to have a fork like that, didn't you, with a block of wood on there? I did. I, I put it on there because I wanted the 
the bag to stop banging mm-hmm. on my hand, but yeah. I realized it was screwing up everything else, so yeah. I pulled it off. Yeah, yeah good I didn't job. Do that. Um, and then on the on the handle on your offhand, um, it it's, it can be good because the 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 handle of a fork can also be thinner than your normal grip. Indeed. And it's nice to have... Especially the older ones. Yeah, that's right. The older ones are much thinner. And so it's nice to have a little bit of a buildup there. Mm-hmm. Now, the handle that I do that you like, which I haven't seen many people do, is basically a hockey stick mm-hmm. grip handle, right? Yeah. In fact, um, I prefer that. And uh, I started preferring that because you did it to my fork. Mm-hmm. And um, I like it, too, because it marks where I keep my hand. I never have to guess where my hand's going to go. There you go. I put it right in the same spot every time. Yeah, and that's a good that's a good thing. Yep. Uh, so for those that haven't ever seen that before or not familiar with like ice hockey handle sticks, is basically you do just one layer of normal tape. Now we're talking athletic tape right. primarily, right? right? Yep. Just normal athletic tape. And if you want to get crazy, you can get black and various other deals. Mm-hmm. Camouflage. But, Camouflage, red, green, you know, tape comes in a lot of different. So it's athletic tape. Pink. You do one um, layer. Blue. And then you take a long strip of the athletic tape and you twist it. Purple. And you just keep twisting it and twisting it and twisting it until White. it is really thin and tight. And it'll green. be sticky because of the, the backside is exposed. Fuchsia. And then you wrap that around the core, the, the, the deal Mauve. so it's, so it um, spirals down the shaft of the thing. Grape. And then you start wrapping another layer over top of that. And you wrap green. and wrap and wrap. Neon and yellow. that will give you a nice little ridge line that spirals down where you've taped. Burnt orange. And as Jay said, it gives you that handle. Mahogany. By the way, I love the way you say that. I like the way you look. <laughs> Kiss me. <laughs> now, finally, on this topic, tacky. Listen to me. First of all, I don't believe tacky. You know me about tacky, right? I love tacky on everything. You love tacky, and many people. You know what I don't like, do tacky like tacky on? Forks. Right. That's no the one tacky place it doesn't belong, brother. Now it is okay if you happen to have been at the previous event and you're little got a little bit of tacky on your hand, and you do pick up your fork or someone else's fork that you're borrowing, and you might get a tiny little bit of tacky residue on there, right? Maybe near the, the the grip at the near the tines at the top where you're holding on to it that kind of thing um or on the tape itself but unless it's your fork you shouldn't be putting your <laughs> mickey midi stupid tackied hands yes. on my fork you touch my hand my fork with your tacky hand i will chop it off and i'll call you lefty the rest of your life first of all i have a great fork or righty depending on which hand i chop off i have an amazing fork that was built by kel mulray that's called the spitfire spitfire and it just happens to be one of the best configurations he's ever built on that particular one it was a winner definitely and it's very popular and of course this whole bring a fork and you gotta let it be in play and and uh candy sprinkles uses it occasionally in the ladies class and it's very popular and people throw with it, and it's got a decent amount of tacky on it, and it bugs the crap out of me because I'm not a big tacky user, so it's not my tacky hands that are on this thing, but other people's. And I'm just saying, it shouldn't happen. Never happen. Yep. When you use somebody else's fork, you had better mind your P's and Q's. Exactly. So I'm for- if you don't, yes, the freaking sheep fork police will get you. That's right. So, tech, uh, tape good, 
Tacky on the uh, fork. Bad. Bad. Next topic. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah, I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Brick killed a guy. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Brick, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You should find yourself a safe house or a relative close by. Lay low for a while, because you're probably wanted for murder. I'm proud of you, fellas. You all kept your head on a swivel, and that's what you got to do when you find yourself in a vicious cockfight. Big Daddy? Us. Topic two? Wob. Wob. Wait over bar. Or wait. Or wait for height is sometimes what don't you to. ever say? What don't you ever say when another friend of yours competitor is throwing the wob? Uh, grab your ankles. Oh, no, no, no. That's what you always say. Uh, okay. Uh, That's what you always say. You had the height. Had the height. Uh, Three bad words that are used in, uh, in height events. Yes. Highland Games people will know this very well. For those who are not uh, a part of the throwing community. Tough crap. One of the greatest uh, challenges, in, one of the things you don't want to hear when you're throwing is in, in the two height events. And that's chief, chief, or uh, wob. Wait over bar. Yes. Is, oh, you had, you had the, the height. height. It's yeah. the, the old. That's great, H, but it doesn't count. The HTH, the old had the height. Um, so let's let's talk about that. Let's so wait, do it. wait over bar is um, again one of the nine events, uh, always pretty much contested, um, and there's multiple weights as with the others. True. Right. The um, pros and uh, amateur men throw a 56 pound weight that's right yes yep. the masters are legends <laughs> legends throw a 42 pound so one stone less stone being 14 pounds in the english uh weighting system that's right so it's a four stone versus three stone and these weights you know the 56 especially they some people call it the half hundred that's an old term for it you yep. know um yep. half hundred for half hundred so, kilos. And the the uh, the women. Is that right? No, that's not right. No, no, it's pounds. Pounds. Yep. The women throw. Delay my lap. The women use a uh, the pros and the the elite women and the amateurs throw twenty eight. Yep. Yes, and then uh, what's becoming more popular is the masters women will throw a twenty one, which is half the weight of the masters. That's men. right. So the masters women will throw a twenty one. Now, um, it's actually. It, it has technique to it, but it is one of the less technique-rich events because um, if you've never seen this before, it's a height event. So you're taking this incredibly heavy weight, relatively speaking. You're swinging it to your side and between your legs, and you are um, pulling up. Uh, as you swing it forward, you're pulling up and over your head. And right. you're trying to launch it up and over your head. Uh, over a bar, right, and and to, to clear the bar and come down, right, and like sheaf, it go, it starts at a particular height, and you have three attempts to make it over that height, and if you do, then it goes up to the next one. It goes mm -hmm. up by a foot typically until you get up to the very top where you're going for records or someone to win the class, and um, it is, I, I have to say, 
for me personally, it is kind of one of those nemesis things. For me, not having been a historical uh, strongman, heavy lifter for any part of my life, I don't have a ton of that kind of strength. I've had to do a lot to build up um, a lot of my uh, deadlifting and clean type movements. Yep. And it is one of those that just takes every ounce of explosive hamstring, butt thrust forward, yeah. arm strength, lat pull power you can get, right? That's right. That's right. Is that the good way to describe it, Big Daddy? I mean, yeah. you're better at the, the muscle technique than I am on that particular thing. Yeah, it's one of the events that actually it it did come fairly easy for me, but the thing is, is because I had a good deadlift background and, you know, cleans and snatches I think are good, um, what do you say, weightlifting yeah. supplemental yeah. exercises to use, you know. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is it's still kind of, you have to be kind of accurate with it. I mean, yeah, you know, you're pulling it as hard as you can. That's true. Where you release, it's important. You have to follow through and watch your hand and, yep. and all that stuff. Because if you don't, you can pull it and it'll go up. Yep. And it may go two feet over the bar, but if it doesn't get over the bar, it does yep. not count. It can be a dangerous event. You got to be at least a little bit careful because you are throwing a forty-two or fifty-six pound weight over your head, yeah. and you're trying to get it just barely over your head as far as up above you, over yeah. the bar, and down. You don't want to waste a lot of energy going too far from the bar. Yeah, I have to say, I've never seen anybody hit with it. Most That's true. People seem to get out of the way pretty quickly. That's true, uh, but it's a great equalizer because if you don't have just some raw strength, you it it shows. Right. Right. It, it just shows you. You can have all the great technique in the world. There are two types of techniques, by the way. There yep. is the standing, which is most common. And again, you just got the your what, feet are kind of shoulder width apart and you're swinging this pound, this weight between your legs and on your final one, hoisting it up and over your head, trying to get it over the bar. Yep. Although in some events, you're or some games you're allowed to spin. Right. And spinning was pretty much invented by Harrison Bailey. Oh, Everybody wasn't? knows that. Yeah. But. And it, which she's amazing at. In the mid-90s, you know, he developed the spin and uh, got quite good at it um, and did really well. And uh, it's kind of controversial, though, because a lot of the people that are more traditional, yep. kind of stand and deliver, you know, yep. type of thing, they yep. don't really go for the whole spinning thing. And, of yep. course, in, I don't think in Scotland they even allow it. No, yeah, you a know, lot of games they don't allow more it. More of your traditional old games they don't allow yep. it. Um, uh, I've seen... Recently, you know, we've seen the world record broken by a good friend of ours, Dan Williams, mm -hmm. at uh, 20 feet, 3 inches. That was in 2011. Right. The standing record is held by a friend of mine and yours as well, Mike Zolkowitz. Yep. Uh, Polish power. Yep. Um, and he had 1810 on a stand. On standing. Very yep. strong. You know, yep. very strong. Yep, exactly. Now, there's two types of bars, too, which is interesting. So not only is there kind of the controversy of do you stand or spin and is one more, um, you know, uh, traditional or real than the other, but you've got um, two different types of bars, right? right. So the bar is either a, a set bar, and that means that the rope that's holding the bar um, that you're going over is um, set in place, and it's wrapped around wherever it's holding the rope. And so in a firm bar scenario, basically, if the weight bangs the crap out of the bar, as long as it goes over, mm -hmm. it's good, yeah. right? You can bounce. I mean, I've seen them land on the bar, and as long as it falls on the other side of the bar, 
it's good. Absolutely. I've seen it balance there for a second and then fall over, right? I actually bent two bars in Tacoma one time. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I've seen, uh, so there's a lot of different ways in which that happens. But if it's, a, if it's that kind of bar, then really anything goes as long as it goes over. Which I'm actually a big fan of. I'm not a fan of this old knockoff thing. Which you is know? the next one, a knockoff yeah. bar. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I jumped, I no, jumped no, the gun. No, no, no. That's okay. But the, the knockoff bar, I mean, if the whole weight goes over the bar and the handle just dings the bar and it comes off that's right. bull crap yeah you know, i just don't believe in that it, what's what i like about it kind of is similar to like a high jump you know how the high jump guys are going up over the bar and they're throwing their body up over there and if just that heel touches that bar just enough that it comes off then it's no good right so it, it, it there's a little bit of drama that happens relevant to when you go that bar when you when you're pulling up and you're at the at the edge of that height and the and it, the weight just touches the bar, and the bar bounces just a little bit, but doesn't come off. And everybody yeah. goes like, <gasps> but that's the only part of it I do like. But you, but you're right. So the and, well, depending the, on who's interpreting the rules nowadays, uh, that well, little wiggle may be interpreted by the judge. Yeah, you that's, know. that's ridiculous. Anyway, but but basically, on but the we no- won't talk about that, will we? No, we will not. Because it's stupid and ridiculous. It, it and is. Only yeah, one organization actually does it that way. This is true. Um, the, the knockoff bar is that's Kenny sprinkles in the background, snapping her fingers, trying to get us on, on task. My electronic collar just buzzed. (laughs) Um, but the, the knockoff bar basically, it sits on a little peg at at every six inches basically. And, and if it, if it uh, comes off that and releases itself, then it's no good if it comes off. So that's basically the rules there. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about this, but training focus. I mean, l- like we said, Big Daddy, it really, it's, it's a lot of um, um, deadlift, power cleans. Right. I mean, getting your strength up, as courses, is key. You know, you want to get your strength levels up as much as possible. Right. But training becomes difficult because training the events is tough because not everybody has a set of standards in their backyard. Mm-hmm. I happen to have one, but mm-hmm. um, most people don't. <laughs> but Which I have to repaint so we can get in the games again. But anyway... The uh, the deal is, if you don't have something to throw over, I mean, you can't really get a good feeling for it. You can take a heavyweight, throw it up over your head, but you don't know if that's going to clear a bar or not. Right. You know, you get the feeling for the pole, but, you know. Right. So it's it's not one of those things. You know, most guys, they don't they do not do weight over bar until they get to the competition. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And as, um, as uh, Big Daddy mentioned, the 56-pound uh, world and North American U.S. Uh, record is held, just so you kind of understand the distances we're talking for the elite people. Uh, Mike Zolkowitz at 18 feet 10, uh, and that was set in 2012. But spinning, Dan Williams set so two feet, uh, almost two feet higher, 20 feet 3 inches in 2011. Um, in the women, the at the 28-pound uh, weight, the, the world and U.S. record is held by Mindy uh Pukowski? Pukowski. Yeah, Pukowski at 19 feet on the spin. She set that in 2008, and then Adrian Blewett tied that same height in uh, 2010. Adrian Blewett was her original name, her maiden name, her now maiden name. name. Wilson, because she married Joe Wilson. Yeah, okay. It's so not me. I, it's just Candy Sprinkles. I know. Doctor yeah. telling us what Candy, to say. Candy, right on the board. Come on. Love you, but right on the board. And then... Um, Somebody uh, just pulled into your yard. Christy Scott. Christy Scott, um, who we know well. Uh, shouts to Christy. 
she hit 19 feet standing in 2012 in Phoenix. So oh, again, yeah. I'm a homer a bit for Christy because she's a local, but basically I'm saying you're standing and throwing 19 feet. You get the overall record for, in my book compared to spinning and hitting 19 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's harder. Well, she's definitely a dynamo. As a matter of fact, uh, just just in from our sports desk, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. She squatted four hundred and well, actually, she corrected it. it was over four hundred twenty pounds. It was more like four sixty five, I believe, at the Sultans of Squat competition at the Emerald Cup last night. Wow! Uh, and that's raw, ladies and gentlemen. That is no suits, no triple ply canvas, no bull crap. It's just, just shorts, power, a belt, and some knee wraps. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's very dude. strong. Very awesome. Uh, I got one more thing to say about that. Um, Andy Vincent went for the uh, standing world record this last weekend. Yeah. And uh, went for 11, uh, I'm sorry, for 18-11 and just missed it. Wow. So very good pull from him. Very good. All right, that's Wob. Roger that. Yep, next topic. Varun, would you like to come and ride with me on this fine evening? And thus. You're out of your mind. Oh, it's good Scottish weather, madam. The rain is falling straight down. Oh, slightly to the side like. Big Daddy. Oh, topic three. His historical. Historical figure. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you yep. want This is uh, one of my favorites, as you know. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I always love when we have a guest, but I also like having a historical figure. Um, you know. we sponsored by? Well, we're sponsored by a great bunch of dudes. Yep. Uh, let me tell you about these guys. G4 Strength Unit uses amazing feats of strength, communicating a positive, motivating mes- message in school assemblies and public forums to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in religious forums. If you want to inquire about the availability of the G4 Strength Unit or contribute, you can contact Crush, Crush Rusher, good friend of mine, uh, 304-893-4372. That's a 304-893-4372. And or check out the Facebook page by typing G4 Strength Unit into your search bar. We are a non-profit, they are, a non-profit that operates solely by faith, meaning they receive love offerings and donations and actually do not have fees of any kind and no hidden expenses. Yep. Travel domestically and internationally. They have three of their athletes to compete in the Highland Games, which is cool, you know. Of course, we, yeah. Of course, we like that. We got Crush, we got Mammoth, and the Juice. The Juice. Love that guy. I love the name Mammoth, too. We, and we got a new motto and tagline to use this time. It, yeah, they do. It's, uh, you may not believe your eyes, but your heart will believe. Let yeah. me tell you that. Heck yeah. That's Heck strong yeah. stuff right there, brother. Yep. All the best to them. Thanks for sponsoring Historical yes. Figure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I want to give a quick shout to uh, Roger Saunders. Roger Saunders. Yeah, he is one of the Fork Talk Nation, and he is our official Fork Talk historian. He is. He is. Hmm. And he's got us teed up with a good one uh, for the next episode, by the way. Yeah. He does, huh? Yeah, he's, he's, he's added to the vault. He's got a great one that we're going to get hmm. going in uh, either this next one or the one after. So, well, good job. to Roger. Good job, Roger. You know, our Fork Talk Nation, you know, you're the, you're the reason we do this. 
you know, not just because we like to hear our own voices, which, you know, I do actually, you know, <laughs> kind of melodic tones of Hoss. Yes. You know, and sometimes when I need to sleep, I'll turn on one of our old the, podcasts. The dulcet tones. That's beautiful, baby. So who's our historical figure this time? Well, we can't start historical figures without talking about the one historical figure we do not oh, like. For crying out loud, that's right, I forgot. Yeah, I yes. tried not to, but you know. <sighs> Sir. Isaac. Newton. Boo. Boo. Figgy. Is what we like to call you, you little jerk. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give shouts to uh, Gretchen. Gretchen Yoder. Yeah, because she actually mentioned Sir Isaac Newton in, in a Facebook post yeah. about gravity and, and the throwing and stuff. So well done, Gretchen. Indeed. Keep it up. Um, all right. So our, well, it's Cinco de Mayo, Big Daddy. Cinco de Mayo. And in the spirit of Cinco de Mayo. Who is our historical figure? None other than. Pancho, Pancho Villa. Villa. The Villa or Villa? Villa. Villa. The, L, the double L sounds like yeah. Okay. Pancho Villa. Of course, who has nothing to do with Cinco de Mayo? No. But he's Mexican. Indeed. Yes. And that qualifies. In our world, that's good. <laughs> he does. Yes, indeedy. Um, he's often known, Big Daddy, as the Mexican Robin Hood. That's right. Steals yep. tacos from the rich and gives burritos to the poor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, That's not the right now. Just spit all over the microphone. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. And and Costner hasn't made a bad movie about him either. No. Not yet. <laughs> um his his real name is and this is a mouthful, I'll try. Jose Dorotillo Arango Arambula. Jeez, no wonder he's pissed off his entire life. Yes. He was born uh, June fifth in eighteen seventy eight, died July twentieth in nineteen twenty three. Man, they're still talking about him. Yeah, he's uh, he's better known by his pseudonym, which was Francisco Villa, and his nickname was Pancho. Pancho. Uh, he was one of the most prominent Mexican revolutionary generals. Yeah, in that period, um, he was a commander of the Division de Notre, which was Division of the North. Man, listen to you, you wow, yeah, go with us. Uh, so, northern Mexican state of uh, Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Uh, and given it had, was a big size. Is that just there. south of Chimichanga? It must be, yes. Put a little sour cream on that sucker. Mineral, uh, it had a lot of minerals, proximity to the United States, a lot of, lot of uh, wealth. So he had a lot of resources at his disposal. And he used those extensively um, as both governor and general to um, both um, reign over his own world with a fairly iron fist and to occasionally nip up into U.S. territory and do some raiding. Well, you know, in his defense, he may not have known that he was in U.S. territory. I mean, back then they didn't have fences and such, right? True. There was, was no a, border patrol. He was, he was into what we call New Mexico, yeah. right? Yeah, so, they call it New Mexico because it was new, I th- guess. That's I true. That's true. Yep. Um, he um, His dominance in northern Mexico was broken uh, really through a series of defeats. Big Daddy, from, yeah. from what I read, right? He, in kind of in the nineteen fifteen. I mean, he he ran hard for a long, long time. He did some famous raids into Columbus, New Mexico, in the like nineteen sixteen, hmm. and then basically after that, the U.S. guys kind of got on it and said, "This is not good. It ain't happening. And not then, in our world." And they sent an all-world badass down there. Yes, they did. Yeah, who was that? General John J. Black. Jack 
Pershing. Yeah. World War One hero, big guy, yeah. big tough guy. And he's, he he went down there with 5,000 troops. Yeah, he did. And basically to search him out and probably kill him, I assume the, the order was. Can you imagine the logistics of 5,000 troops back then? Mm. Horses, food. Wagons. Weapons. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, they probably had... They, they, they maybe had some motorized vehicles. Were they doing anything like that yet? Uh, yeah, sorry, dude. No. No, okay. But anyway. They had so, a motorized vehicle. It's called a horse. Yeah. Um, but, and and they were successful in that they killed, like, just about every one of his generals and various higher-ups. He even killed one of his sons, I think it was. But they never got Poncho. You know why? Why? I'll tell you why. He had a sleeping disorder. Now, <laughs> What we all know about Mexican people, and this is no slight on Mexican people, okay? I got a few Mexican friends myself, okay. as we know. Yeah. Um, they like to take siestas. Yes. All right. Two yes. o'clock in the afternoon, pull the sombrero over their eyes and take a little snoozer. Yep, exactly. Okay? Yep. It's good. It's kind of a Unless someone's thing. hunting you down <laughs> because they're going to catch you. All, all Pershing had to do was look at his watch and say, hey, it's two o'clock. Let's get him. <laughs> the problem with Pancho Villa is he had sleep apnea. <laughs> so he barely got any sleep, you know, most of the time. And when he did, right. it was only at night. So well, he go. couldn't get his siesta in. There you go. And uh, they didn't have CPAP machines back then. They didn't, no. Um, he got into politics um, towards the end of his life. Um, and um, he... Uh, Ran for the governor of... Mexico? I, yeah, I think so. Well, he was getting ready to, but before that, first of all, he had multiple wives. Yeah, he's like a Mexican polygamist. Yeah, he was. Um, he would have done well in Utah. What, what's interesting to me about he that... He should have raided Utah. Probably. You know? <laughs> he should have. <laughs> he, um, he married an original... Uh, his first wife, so it was Maria uh, Corral, and... They had a daughter who unfortunately died a few years after birth. He was engaged to several uh, of his mistresses, but he never, he legally was only married to the first woman. What was interesting though is he fathered kids through these mistresses, and all of the kids ended up staying and living, and she raised his original wife these things. So that actually is kind of old polygamy type of stuff. That's crazy. A little known fact about that too is that she lived in a shoe. No, no kidding. Really? Yeah. I, no, she lived in a big shoe. Are you sure it wasn't a boot? Mm, whatever. Mm. Boot, shoe. Um, it's funny, too. Big Daddy, he Could had been a, a cowboy boot because it was down there. You know, I don't think a lot of people know this, but Pancho Villa had a film career. He did, he as was, a matter of fact. He appeared as himself in films in 1912, 13, 14, and 16. He was known as the John Wayne of Mexico. <laughs> the life of Villa. Villa. Uh, with General Pancho Villa in Mexico, the life of General Villa. They're all all about him. He, he seems to have had a bit of an ego. <laughs> you think? Five wives, movie career. Yeah. Sounds like Kevin Costner. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for him, on Friday, the 20th of July, 1923, he was uh, killed while visiting the uh, town of uh, Peral. How did he get killed? Um, he usually would go out as guys of his nature would with a big entourage of bodyguards. Yeah. But this day he only went into town with just like a couple guys no. and basically a car dummy in an open top car. And Whoa, wait a minute. What? He went through town in an open top car. Yeah. Was there like a grassy berm anywhere nearby? 
<laughs> right. Yes, and and all the FBI went away for the day and didn't in the So the Mexican route. Secret Service dropped the ball on him. Pretty right? much, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. He he was driving in a nineteen nineteen Dodge Roadster and he passed by a school and supposedly this uh, pumpkin seed vendor ran toward him shouting Viva Via Viva Via Oh wow. Which was the signal for seven riflemen to pop up Holy moly. and shoot 40 holes into him and the car. Wow. So, and the pumpkin seed guy got away scot-free, huh? I believe so. He just went about his business selling seats. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a meager living, but you know what? Someone's got to do it. Yeah. So, um, and the theories are, you know, at the end of his life, he had decided he'd gotten in a fight with his major general and he decided to declare war on that general and mess mm-hmm. with his family so they maybe had him killed the other was he was getting into politics and maybe his um his um competitor had him taken out one of those two well i mean getting into politics and you know and getting shot in a car seems to be a kind of a, yeah. a trend after that i guess huh now here's the deal though big daddy in Did they in, have a mystery bullet or anything like that i don't think so no, okay. no he just got he just got hit hard was his wife in the back seat with him not that i'm aware of right. no. what i'm uh what's interesting is so in, in getting through this historical figure and learn a little bit about him which is very interesting what we're always thinking about in our historical figure segment is how would this guy do in the games what could he <laughs> might be good at you know, that's you know, would, right. he, would he be good at a particular event? Is there a body type or a way in which he approached life where he would be good at a particular game? And as we've heard on our previous segments, certain guys maybe had long limbs like Abraham, so we yeah. thought he'd be good at certain events. Um, you still know, talking about that Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> exactly. Um, we've had, um, you know, uh, Genghis Khan, who we thought would be quite strong on Wob and other things. And, yeah, and he had a real yeah. good mental game uh, for the the Pope that we thought would be quite good on the old mental game. But here's the problem, Fork Talk Nation. I don't see (laughs) anything redeeming about Pancho Villa being a thrower. Not to mention, how the hell do you throw with a sombrero? Dude, I don't think he'd better. I just don't even. Here's what I'm thinking. He could have been a marker. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe a field supporter. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. And that, I think, has given the field volunteers a bad name because I love our field volunteers. They They stand out there and act as targets and make sure they don't get hit and make sure that we get good marks. They do a great job. Yes, they do. So, uh, honestly, I just don't think he'd be good. And that's okay. Historical figures maybe aren't good at the games. And I'm thinking Pancho Villa would have been... Drinking tequila and planning assassinations and marauding of time. And just, he wouldn't be good. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, too, is, you know, as a marker, you know, at least he'd be wide awake because we know he doesn't take CSs. Mm. So his eyes are always open. True. You know. So, so unfortunately, that's it for Poncho. Poncho. Yep. Poncho. Hey, sorry you got killed, buddy. <laughs> you had a hell of a life. Next segment. I will smash your face into a car windshield and then take your mother, Dorothy Mantooth, out for a nice seafood dinner and never call her again. Big Daddy. Yep. It's interview time. My favorite time of the show. Yes. Other than the other favorite times of the show. But this is one of my favorites because today we have an interview. Yeah. A real interview. Well, in this interview... Um, took a little longer to get set up than usual yeah. because the contract negotiation mm-hmm. between their legal and ours yeah. took much longer to put together. Well, the guy's rider was absolutely ridiculous. Was it? Yeah. What were some of the things that were on it? Okay. 
I mean, because you've got several things, well, but they're my, reasonable. My rider's crazy, but this guy's rider was unbelievable. He yeah. wanted hair products. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, special conditioner. <laughs> like conditioner products? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, conditioners, uh, shampoos. Yeah. Um, hair braiding. Hair rinse. Type stuff. Yeah, yeah. really weird. Yeah. But, you know, we, we came up with it. Uh, back wax. Back wax. And yeah. uh, some green some green grass tea. Oh, yeah. I had a hard time finding it, but yeah, I, I did find it. That's big with the celebrities these days. You know, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and announce our guest. Our guest today is one of the top amateur athletes in the Highland Games around the country. Mm-hmm. His name is Duncan McCallum. Welcome to the show, hey, Dunk. How you doing? What's up, brother? Welcome. Happy to be here. Really happy to be here. We're glad to have you, brother. We've been trying to make this work a little bit. We finally got our schedules hooked up. So, yeah, that was that was my fault, man. I was doing a lot of traveling. I'm I'm really really happy to be on the show, and I'm super super impressed with what you guys are doing. I I listen to Floor Talk when I work out, and I, sometimes I just have to stop because I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> All right, love it. That's what we try to do. Love we try it. to try to keep it lighthearted. Well, I have to do the same thing, Duncan. When I'm looking and watching your YouTube videos, trying to make the sheaf go further. And it doesn't quite look like yours. <laughs> I have to stop and consider well, myself uh, an amateur. <laughs> I would advise you not to watch most of my videos. Um, <laughs> they're actually basically worthless. No. No, dude, I, the one I love the most – I'm sorry, I'm already kicking this off. But the one uh, I love the most is where uh, – the, the one where you have uh, – you start with the bag on the ground, right, over to your left side if you're – backwards like i am or right side and pull straight up from there right just to mm-hmm. get the feeling of that's a i think that's a good um kind of like in the wait for distance kind of a one turner type of thing so i actually believe that, that people people watch that video and you see a lot of people doing it and putting it in basically putting it in their practice mm-hmm. so where'd you come up with that um you know i want to say that I saw Matt or Andy Vincent do that. But when I mentioned that to Spencer Tyler, Spencer told me that the first person he saw do that was Quint Milas. Quint is a guy out in West Texas. Um, He benches, I think he bench presses 570 and squats 245. I mean, he's he's massively powerful. Just, (laughs) he's a funny guy. He actually got me into the games. And the more I... The more I watch people do sheath, and I watch them kind of lose the lose the pull, and they couldn't put any direction on it. I thought, you know, if you started this, if you just train this from the ground back here, you know, where your little window to pull is, and you just train that over and over again, even if nothing else worked, and you could hit that all the time, man, you'd be golden to to you know to get some to get get the bag way up there. So that's kind of where that came from. Good point. Good point. Yeah, seems logical. Duncan, what do you do for a living? I work for the government. I, I guess you'd call me a federal law enforcement officer. Federal law enforcement officer. Yeah, yeah. don't let the crazy hair and the uh, Nintendo <laughs> theme songs. Wow. Uh, I think I, I think next to a uh, IRS agent, that's probably the second scariest thing in the world. <laughs> job or that they hired me or both <laughs> we're not saying no that you do it that's cool all right so don't y'all feel safer i do 
do I you? do for one. Do Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yes, do I you? feel much safer. You weren't saying that the other day. What was I saying? When you were disparaging him. What? Yeah. Duncan, don't listen to him, brother. Okay. <laughs> my, my ears burn all the time when Jay disparages me. <laughs> hey, Brett doesn't even like the sheaf, so don't even, don't even let him talk to you about this. What? I, I can barely hear what he has to say as it is. <laughs> wow. How dare you? How dare you say all I don't like this? When non sheep lovers talk, all I hear is womp 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 womp. <laughs> me too. Me and, and two tine two tine sheepers, same same. Walk 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 walk. Exactly. Yeah, two tine is better. Yeah, whatever, dude. Okay. <laughs> Did I hear? I, mean, a... yeah, I guess. I guess two times is better than one time, so you got that going for you. But that's not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You ain't kidding, brother. I, Big Daddy, yeah. did I hear correctly that you were going to be purchasing a fork from said McCallum? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Duncan McCallum has started his own little business. Other than being a federal law enforcement officer, yeah. s- serving and protecting the entire nation, he uh, also decided to get into a little... He, he loves a sheaf business so much. He loves sheaf so much. He loves forks so much. He, oh, said, yeah. he decided, hey, I'm going to start my own business. So, uh, why don't you tell our, uh, tell, well, first of all, let me say this. I've got a fork coming that I already, that Duncan and I already talked about. Okay. Okay. It's on its way. I'm not going to give you any specifics about it. Yeah. Because none of your damn business. <laughs> but what, what I will say is that I can't wait to get it. And I'm thinking this year is going to be the year of uh, me breaking every damn field record I can. Mm. In the I, chief. You should. Your, your technique is improving and, you know, that's. I mean, Jay, you you've you've come along so much as a thrower. I mean, I've seen your videos when you first started, and you looked like I, like a monkey doing something really terrible to a doorknob. <laughs> now you just you just look smooth and fluid, and I mean, your technique is what's going to get you that record. You could probably throw that thing barehanded the way you're throwing now, and you're going to do just fine. So, in my mind, it's not a it's not an if; it's a win. Well, thanks for well, that, I, brother. I expect that record to come down here very soon. Very soon. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of work, but it's also been a lot of help from guys like you who, you know, will will pull my YouTube video and take a look at it and send me an email or a, a Facebook message and, you know, give me a pointer or something like that, and boom, you know. So oh, Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, Duncan, real cool, right? I was just telling Jay at practice today about this, right? Only a year ago or so. So I am significantly less strong than Jay because he has been doing uh, lifting and powering for his whole life. And I got into it late in life. And over a year ago, I was beating Jay at Sheaf regularly. I, my, my PR, I think at the time was 26 and he was struggling to get up at that point, uh, maybe 24 on occasion, right? If I got in his head, he'd have a trouble. And now that he's been now, and so now that he's been working and getting advice from you and others, and he's got his technique down and he can apply all that damn power to the stupid bag. Now, boom, 28, knocking on 29. I hit 29 in Mississippi. You did. And, and, and it's effortless. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, as a friend, I'm going, that's awesome. You're so awesome. And saying, oh, damn it. <laughs> Bastard. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I coach people up on the field, and they hit a big PR, and I'm like, man, that's really great. I really hope it falls on your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a love-hate. It's like, I love that you made it. 
I hate that now I have to do that and we're getting up into the real thin air where, uh, you know, I could miss and then it's kind of hard to be happy. But no, I mean, you, from a guy who, who studies YouTube um, all the time, and I'm, I'm going to talk about Jay like he's not sitting right there, he has really come a long way. And he is, he's turning that corner of being a lifter who throws to becoming a thrower who lifts, and you can see it in how smooth his technique has become. And that has, that has always been a big hurdle for a lot of folks, that, oh, this is a 16-pound bag. I ought to be able to enforce my will on it. Well, you can to a certain degree, but there comes a point where you have to develop that, that touch. It's just like with Caber. I can't imagine that there's a Caber out there that Jay cannot pick up. That's but true. Learning the technique and learning the steps and the respect to the event and how it's done, that's a big difference. And some people get there, and some people just don't get there as fast. There's so a, I'm, I'm super stoked. I can't wait to see what he does this year. There's a tear, a little tear coming down the corner of his eye. That's my allergies. Right now. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's very excited. Well, you know. Is that because I said that to him or because I said that to him while I was doing the Silence of the Lambs dance? <laughs> while you're creating a woman's suit. Exactly. Well, I had the pleasure of competing with Duncan uh, last year at Enum Claw, as a matter of fact. And it was Duncan who said, uh, you know, I was trying to decide, well, you know, I had an invite to come as A because I had won the B class the year before. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, maybe I should make room for another A a better thrower, and I'll just go Masters. And Duncan said, shut your mouth. You earned it, you do it. And you know what? It worked. I, I, I had one of my better throwing days, and it was great throwing with, with Duncan all day long. Um, we got, you know, Chief. That was a weird Chief day, wasn't it, Duncan? It was that like. Was, the, who are you telling, man? <laughs> the, I went out and I, I set the field record the year before, and yeah. I went out at 22 feet. This was awful. It was very strange. Yeah, it, was, it was 22 feet. And it didn't have the height for 23. Yeah, it was really like, weird. Like, everybody looked at me. Nobody said you had the height. It just <laughs> didn't work at all. <laughs> I was just so embarrassed. I tried. There was a puddle on the field, and I was going to, like, really try to hold my head underwater <laughs> and just drown myself. Yeah, it was. I think it what was happened. So, it was so awful. The bag was just going to get in a little damp and, and sandy because we were throwing on the yeah. wrong side. Uh, yeah. First of all, there was no carpet there. Um, but the year before... It was kind of, it was great. Duncan hits a thirty footer. Okay, the funny thing about that chief was it goes over, it goes up and over. I'm sitting on one of those metal chairs. As the chief goes over the bar, I'm like, man, that's beautiful. And then I'm like, wait, it's going to hit me. I jump off the chair and it, bent it smashed chair. the chair. It yeah. didn't just bend it; it broke it. Yep, twenty pounds from thirty feet, big force, baby. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh... What was it about? What, what is uh, didn't Dickens go thirty two with the twenty just the other day? Yeah, he did in Vegas. Uh, Dickens went thirty two with a with a twenty pound bag. That, that, guy, that dude's on fire. That's crazy talk. He uh, he's actually here in Arlington this weekend, Phil, and he spent the night at uh, spent the night at Casa Shea de McCallum. <laughs> and we basically spent all night long, uh, you know, telling lies, and he was showing me how inflexible and old that he is. <laughs> and uh, he he was all fired up today. You know, we we worked on his floor. We got some of the burrs smoothed out. And he's, you know, Aaron Woods, the AD for Arlington. He he gives great equipment. So don't be surprised if if that record goes down. I mean, he's really moving well. I'd, I'd be happy to see to see uh, Dickens pull that down. 
That's good stuff. I know he's shooting for that 36-6 world record. I know he's going for that big time with the 16, too. So, Duncan, what, what kind yeah. of goals do you have for yourself this year and, and into into next? What, where, where are you going with, with your throwing? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, this was going to be my last year as an amateur. And next year I was going to try, you know, put my foot in the in the pro waters and and see uh, see what that was all about. You heard it here and, first, uh, folks. That's right, breaking yeah, news. Yeah, well, you heard it here first. Breaking news. And uh, well, I'm, I'm going to break some other news to you. So hold on just yet. <laughs> so I uh, I went through all that and I was getting ready, getting fired up, having an awesome season. I was lifting. I was throwing low in practice. I mean, I was going 40 and 80 in practice more often than I wasn't. Uh, finally getting my hammers coming around, figuring some things out. Uh, we went to my, uh, at work, we had our, like our SWAT practice. So we basically blew up the shoot and everything and everybody was high-fiving. We're doing this really, you know, awesome drill. And I was walking out to the practice area and I stepped in this mode over hole and, uh, basically blew up my knee. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it sucks. So I had a PCL reconstruction, which is really code for the most difficult knee surgery known to man. Yeah. I got, uh, I think I had four holes drilled in my femur and a bunch of other stuff. And I, I went to the Andrews Clinic in Alabama. Miles Wetzel got me hooked up there. Right. Awesome, awesome surgical group. I mean, they just did a fantastic job. Uh, I went back at six weeks, and Dr. Kane was just amazed. Uh, he, the word he used was exceptional. He's like, you know, when you came in, your knee had like 14 or 15 millimeters of translation. But that's awful. Because now it's got like two or three. It's like a brand new knee. Nice. They're all fired up. You know, they're wanting to go train, you know, go lift, do close chain exercises. So I go to physical therapy. Everything's going along. Do a, uh, a leg curl there at uh, physical therapy. And you can hear my hamstring snap. All the way across the room. Oh. Ouch. Was this recent? The long and short of it is that I may be retired. That ain't um, happening. That um, ain't happening. You heard it here first. Big Daddy says that ain't happening. Where, no, man, I, believe me, I, I'm trying everything I can think of to get back on the horse, but, you know, my hamstring just will not heal. It's always discolored. It's always it's always a mess. There's uh just tremendous buildup of fluid around the knee, and I'm, I'm losing, like, every time I go in for PT, I'm losing the range of motion in my knee. So mm. it's starting to get, it's getting worse. Um, nobody really seems to know what's going on. I'm getting an MRI done on Monday, but it's not looking real positive. But, you know, barring anything like that, what are my goals for this season? Um I wanted to do Blazeville again to try to win the captaincy of the South for North-South because that was a super great experience this year. Right. Um, I don't know that that one's going to be in the cards unless I can, you know, stand there and pitch these weights out there and be competitive. But the guys like Kevin Dupuy and uh, Dave Robinson, the Admiral, and Shane Sutherland, those guys are going to be there, and they're all throwing really well. Uh, Joe Wilson, uh Adrian's not so great half. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I like him. I like that dude. You know, I do too. He he is so funny. Have you ever sat down and talked to him? Yeah, he, he him and I were at Pleasanton together, and uh, we you know we've been kind of friends on Facebook for a bit, and and uh, he just came up, just you know walked up and started talking, and you know we just we hit hit it off right away, kind of like you and I did. 
you know, a funny yeah. guy, just super funny. And um, uh, he's hysterical. Yeah, it's it, it's amazing. I mean, he run he owns a a real nice uh, pub and eatery type of a place and that. And you can just he's the kind of guy you want to own a place like that because you know it's going to be a good place, you know. But yeah, yeah I'm with you. But he's he's growing better. His technique is coming along. So there's going to be a real uh, a real shootout down there in Blairsville. I, I don't know if I'm going to be part of that. If I, you know, I was going to go back to Pleasanton. I, I talked to Steve Conway and said that I, you know, I'd love to come back and, you know, excited for that. That may not happen. I, I really don't know. I really don't know uh, what, what's going to go on now, um, at all. But my, my goal is the goal I've always had, just kind of in my own mind, is just to be the amateur champion of the world. The, uh, you know, a short fat kid we got to stick together. <laughs> there are lots of us out there that, you know, don't come from a throwing background. We're not particularly athletic. We're not tall. We're not fast. We're not strong. But we just work really, really hard, and we study, and we learn, and we and we achieve. And every once in a while, you know, everything lines up to where somebody, one of us, gets in a position to do something really special. And my goal is to work towards that and and uh, and make that happen. So well, you got all you know, the tools. I have to, have to crawl, I'll do it. Well, hopefully, the God willing, the positive vibes from Fork Talk Nation that mm-hmm. are hearing this yep. uh, in the next day or so uh, and coming weeks will um, give you some extra energy and vibe to get healed up because we definitely want you in play. Let me just say this uh, Fork Talk Nation. Me. Everybody in Fork Talk Nation is listening to this podcast. All 6,000 of you in the next couple of days that are tuning into this beautiful Fork Talk. <laughs> I want every one of you, when you hear my voice, I want you to say, Heal, Duncan's hamstring. Heal, Duncan's hamstring. We'll have to call the G-Force uh, strength unit guys and have them uh, talk talk to the big man. Absolutely, yeah. Well. yeah. We'll, we'll get everybody on this. <laughs> we got we to get, that's well, true. You know, I'll tell you, I, I, it was really, it really got me down there for a while because I just was not having any luck and I was just doing all the right things. But, you know, when I sit and I think about guys like Doug Grissom, you know, you, you guys may not know Doug Grissom. I saw Doug Grissom last year at Blairsville, uh, 12, 12 o'clock at Caber. Perfect score, big stick. Doug's got one leg. <laughs> um, wow. He went out, he went out and threw the prosthesis and he aced it. That's nice. That's awesome. Uh, he, he double spun his weight for distance and at the very end. I mean, I'm just standing there. Just, I'm just in shock. You know, here's this guy. I'm like, what, what can I, what on earth can I possibly complain about? Yeah. Uh, I just okay. got back from the March of walk with Tom Lawrence and, you know, little Duncan Lawrence and like the whole community came out and there's just so much love for this little kid. who has got so many physical ailments, but he was so happy. And his, you know, Tom and Amanda, his parents were so great. A uh, man, I'm sitting here complaining about, you know, how my hamstring hurts. Mm-hmm. Or, man, I, I really wish I could go squat. I'm thinking, you know, in perspective, what I have is a little hill that I have to get over. These people climb a mountain on a daily basis. Right. You know, I, to me, it's just that, hey, you know, if this is that important to you, you're going to work harder and find a way. And so that's what I'm going to do. It just well, takes a little while, and some days it's easier than others. Wise, first, first wise thing, words. First thing you need to do is get that word retire out of your vocabulary. That's the number one thing you need to do. Well, yeah, as bad as his news was, I'm actually happy because, you know, he said, first, I want to go pro, which I was happy to hear. 
But the bad news was that I've got some injuries that I'm working through. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I was worried he was going to say that I had a big news. I mean, he said it was going to be big news, right? right? I was worried it was gender reassignment surgery or something like that. And he was going for the women's <laughs> world records. And I was like, well, okay, Duncan, roll with it, baby. But but I'm, no. I'm happy that me? wasn't I, your I answer. <laughs> gender reassignment. I can't beat Adrian now. What do you think if if I if I get if I get the surgery and I square off against like Adrian or Lacey or Mindy comes out? No, there's no way. I'll just get I'll get owned by all of them. You'll get laughed off the field because you got surgery and you still got your ass whooped. Oh, dude, we we throw in our region. We have Christy Scott in our backyard, right? Love her. She's a big power throw. It's amazing. Big power lifter, and she's really getting her technique down. She was, in fact, in the in the little backyard games thing that that uh, Big Dad. Daddy and I threw on a, a couple weeks ago. Backyard game. It wasn't a backyard game. I'm sorry. Say what the official name was. I always forget. That was the Western Continental Divide. Northern Hemisphere <laughs> World Championships, my friend. <laughs> yes, it was. Who, who won that, by the way? Well, I was the chief champion. <laughs> you were. You were. <laughs> you were. Um, but at that games, uh, Duncan, um, Christy was really trying to, to work on her hammer. That's one, the one thing she said she's really trying to work on. And she w- she threw her first uh, few throws at uh, 104, 105 yeah. in that range. And, and that was with a 22-pound hammer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on her last one, she hits 113.7. And it was it was massive. It was I pulled a P- the tape on that. It by was the way. PR. It was huge. So um, I actually saw it at one. She's I mean, I saw it at one fourteen four. But of course, I got uh, you know. Uh, dude, it, uh, that our judge is going to kick your butt. He's sixty three years old. Thirteen. Don't 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 challenge him like that. He knows what he's doing. He's blind. No, he's not. Ken Shaw. Oh, so you Kenshaw's had some great officiating. Yeah, <laughs> we have we had great officiating. Actually, Don't listen to Big Daddy. It's funny, Duncan. We actually had two judges that are actually very good judges. I, I, I jest, of course. You know, we had Ken Beck, who is an amazing. I mean, he's a sixty-three-year-old that's basically working on you know being nineteen or twenty. And then we got um, Chad Wilker, who is basically the idiot savant of the Highland Games. <laughs> if, nice. If, if if there's a rule, you know. That that's out there, he knows it. It doesn't matter what the rule is. True. What country, you know, what what province doesn't matter. That guy knows every damn rule in the book. So, so all of the all the marks, I had no problem putting on Nazga because they were all they were all officiated quite well. So it was it was really good. Yep. Outstanding. We had. I, uh, I've had some. I've had some great officiating. I've had some not so great officiating. <laughs> we all have. I, uh, <laughs> I went to a games once. I'm not going to name any names. Um, we were doing caber. And the guy in front of me goes up, kind of fumbles around the caber, kind of pitches it out there. I'm thinking, eh, it's probably like a 30. And the judge looks and he goes, 85. Oh, jeez. We all kind of looked at him like, okay, maybe maybe we all just heard him say the wrong thing. You know, so I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went up and I turned it. The guy after me turned it. And there were a couple more of those weird throws. And so finally I had to go over there and ask him. I'm like, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. You know, is this... Are we in bizarro world? And he goes, no, it says right here on the sheet. So he's got this piece of paper with all these angle marks, you know, drawn off with degree scores. But he's holding it flat. So he's measuring it <laughs> when the cable, where the cable lays. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not oh. making this up. And I kind of looked at him, and I, and I remember I, I looked at him and looked at my watch. And then I, all right, well, that's there's there's a new one on me. That's awesome. I mean, 
Yeah, it was awesome. It was uh, <laughs> it was one of those where you, you there's not a big enough space palm that you can do. Just <laughs> <laughs> looking at this guy like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you really thought that. He's like, what are you talking about? Well, you, you know what that you know what that tells that that tells all the throwers is never leave it in the hands of the side judge. Flip the son of a bitch. That's true. That's then it's not a problem. Um, Big Daddy, yep. when, when we were preparing for our next for our guest yep. Duncan, mm-hmm. we actually had some private um, parties who gave us some ideas for questions, and there was an overwhelming question that people wanted to ask Duncan from from the Fork Talk Nation. Yeah, we had uh, we probably had oh, I don't know. Out of ten responses, we had three that uh, wanted to know something. No, no, no. It was, it, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The first, the first sixty percent said, "Who the hell is that?" <laughs> Duncan. And, who? And then, exactly. and then the rest said, "Oh yeah, I know him." And here's the question I would like to ask. Go Are ahead. you ready? You yeah. want me to give it to yeah, him? Yeah, give him a question. Yeah. Question why is... Parents, why didn't his parents hit him with a shovel when he was a <laughs> yeah. That was the second question that we didn't there, there was one okay. on how many times was he dropped on his head as a baby. That's true. Uh, only uh, once, and I remember most of it. <laughs> the, no, the question was, any tips on grooming? Any tips on grooming? Hair grooming. All right. <laughs> on, on hair grooming? Yep. People ask me all the time, you know, how is it you grow your hair so long? I say, easy, not at Twitter, and I poke them in the chest. (laughs) The the secret to growing your hair long is no secret. Just don't do anything and don't die, and it will continue to grow long. It's it's Mm. just a a thing that happens. Right. You know, uh, and don't go bald. Get a uh, get a get the right brush, brush from the ends up. You know, shampoo goes starts in the front, goes the back, conditioner goes from the bottom to the top. Listen to this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Women, women in the audience, turn up your hey, volume. Hey, check me. Come at me, bro. This is this is the truth. I'm giving you the truth. I researched this. Hey, he's, he's nothing is worse than having like ratty hair. I went for a week with a little stick in my hair. <laughs> See? I had no idea it was in there. I kept feeling like this weird mass in my hair and I just thought, oh whatever, it's just a uh-huh. you know. He's a, it was a stick. He's a metro kind of man. Well, you know, Dickens found no, an entire really family of kind of man. Dickens found an entire family of pack rats in his beard once. <laughs> That's true. Well, I can't grow a beard. That's um, I've been trying. Well, you I can't do it. Well, if you can grow a mane like you can, if, why grow a beard? If anyone knows Duncan, he can't grow a beard because there's not enough hair surface area to cover his chin. <laughs> He's got a chin the size of Kansas for crying out loud. Well, yeah, I've got to. Square chin, and then the chin behind that chin is actually very soft <laughs> and pliable. Not. You got more chins than a Chinese one. <laughs> <laughs> my, my beard is terrible. My beard is so awful. I I took a bet with the, the North South guys. I was not going to shave my face until you know the North South game, you know, to prove that I could grow a beard. And we ended up showing up. The team was like the dead presidents. We had uh, Miller Fillmore, who was played by Isaac Burchett, who had these ridiculous chops. He looked like Duck Dynasty. He looked terrible. Uh, Spencer Tyler, beard always looking aces. Uh, even Nathan Burchett looked like he, you know, lived off the side of a mountain and everything. And Tom Sroka worked on his. Mine, you know, not so much. Yeah. Well, you got the hair. One side of it was. One side of it was like three quarters of an inch long, and the other side of it was like half an inch long in places, and it was sticking out at funny angles. 
it's just really dumb. Well, you know, in your defense, I'll say this. I saw a YouTube video of you from a few years back when you were throwing and you had, you had short hair. Yeah, when I was fat. Yeah, keep the uh, long, keep the long hair. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I've never claimed to be an attractive guy. You, wait a while. From a distance, but from a distance, I make a very attractive woman. You are you. <laughs> <laughs> you see me from a distance, you're like, damn. That's true. That girl is in shape. I, I saw you from the. Yeah. I saw you from a side view, uh, about a hundred yards away at Edenclaw, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know the Icelandic women's team was here. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I wonder if those are real. I mean, you're a drop-dead gorgeous. I'll tell you that right now. That's good yeah, stuff. from there. <laughs> hey, Big Daddy, we're coming We're coming to the end of our interview time, oh, are unfortunately. We? Yeah. As always, we could talk to our guests forever. Yeah. Um, but I do have a couple final questions that uh, we go usually want to get. Uh, first of all, um, what's your favorite event? Why even bother like asking? He did the political answer. I like them all. What, what's your I real like answer? Chief. I, I do like the chief, but I, I really like I like training all the events because I'm not really good at any of them, and I just like getting better at all of them. Sweet. You yeah. know, I'll go out and throw chief with you any single day. I'll go throw open stone with you any day of the week. I just I really dig all the events for for their own sake. Good. And and tell us um, a favorite movie, not your most favorite if you have one, of course, but a favorite movie. Cinderella Man. Oh, nice. Oh, good call. Great story. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, you, you sir, are a Renaissance man. He a is a Renaissance man. man. That's a great story. And what, yeah, uh, Pamela McCallum taught me how to read. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and what's on? What's what's uh, hot on the uh, McCallum iPod Toonie box right um, now? Uh, actually, okay, so I've, I've got, uh, well, I've got part of the four talk on my iPod or iPad that I listen to. Of course. I just listened to part of Dante's Inferno. I have, gosh, what else? Every ACDC just came out on iTunes, so I dropped $100 and bought all their songs. Mm, nice. Um, wow, it cost you 100 bucks Saturday, to get. So I, it's Saturday, so I'm, I'm obviously going to go out and do my, you know, pull-ups to Katy Perry or whatever else fun I have on there. <laughs> I think I'll edit that out. Um, I actually listen, to, and this is going to sound really nerdy. I listen to a lot of uh, philosophy lectures when I train. Uh, really? Because it kind of it really, it really does because it allows me to kind of focus on something else in, as opposed to how much this hurts. Um, I, James yeah. Bullock does my programming, and the more I suffer, the happier he is. <laughs> and so he sends me these workouts, which are just crazy and there are times where i really just kind of have to detach my head because i've already blown as much spit out of my mouth and nose as i possibly can <laughs> i've already thrown up in the driveway i spilled my drink my hands won't stop shaking i've got chalk in my eyes i really need to listen to something that will just take me away from this awful awful thing that this guy is making me do that is cool so yeah. i do listen to a lot of philosophy lectures that is cool. That's cool. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's a, kind of a common bond with uh, strength athletes. I don't know if anybody knows it or not, but, you know, uh, somebody says, I, used, I heard a quote one time, you know, you, do you have to be smart to be strong? I've never met a strong yeah, person. Agree. I've never met a strong person, really. You know, I've, I've trained high, uh, strong man. I know all the top pros, you know, same with Highland Games athletes. There ain't a dummy amongst them. There is not one dummy amongst them. All... You know, degrees in whatever. You got some doctors, you got some lawyers, you know, you got some, uh, you know, accountants. Mm -hmm. 
or um, just introspective, thoughtful yeah. people. But they're very smart. Yeah, you know, so well-rounded people. So you yeah. know, it's so a I bit of a myth in our world. Yeah. Duncan you know. fits in. Well, dude, Duncan. I, I, I go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Why do you keep talking oh, over him? Say, you know, one of, one of the. I, I'm sorry because I, I hear you all a second after I start talking. Um, it's actually something that I read that I keep in in the Lotus where I train. It's uh, the Truth of Iron by Henry Rollins. Oh yes. Um, I encourage the listeners if y'all haven't read that. Go look it up because it speaks to what you just said, Jay, about the, you know, the intelligence and the passion that is in people who train. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that and I, I mean, I kind of watered up because I thought this is speaking to me as an athlete and as a lifter and as a person. This is this is a, what I'm about. And when people come and train with me, they're like, "Hey, can I come train with you again?" I'm like, "Yeah, but read this first. Mm-hmm. And across the board, people have been like, "Oh my gosh, that is." so profound it uh it really is kind of a, a common thread amongst people who are really driven to you know build their bodies up and achieve things through strength and stuff like that you have to have that discipline it's true yep. and that discipline comes from intelligence and passion cool absolutely yep cool yep. check it out check it out word up all right well duncan um couldn't be more honored to have you on fork talk thanks for joining us oh the honor is all mine, man. I'm, I'm just an average guy. You guys are building the sport. I'm, you know, if I could hold this phone and clap, I would. <laughs> I am so, I am so happy to hear what y'all are doing and be a part of that. Y'all are really building the sport in ways I never could. So, hey, my hat's off to y'all. I'm honored. Hey, all right. We do it for guys like you, brother. Yep. yep. That's for sure. It's our, it's our pleasure. We're, it's our pleasure. We're standing on a giant and we're heavy, so we appreciate the, uh, the effort. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Big Daddy, that's it for our interview. Uh, Duncan, all the best to you on your recoveries, and uh, we'll see you out on the field hopefully soon. That is. Well, I'm going to give one plug. You know, if you guys are looking for a good fork, get a hold of Duncan McCallum. He's the man. All right. You want yeah, me to yeah, give him? You. you got any info you want me to put out to the uh, to the listening audience? You got? No, a... I just you know I there's really really nothing to say. I'm just okay. making forks for the athletes. How do they reach you? How do they reach you? Do they do they get you like at, on Facebook or something? Just 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 yeah. search you on that. What we'll, we'll, we'll do is Duncan. Is uh, what I'll have them do is if if they if they want a fork, okay, I'll have them contact uh, contact our fork talk, and then I'll pass yeah, on the info to you. That'll be yeah. That'll, yeah. No, it's you know there's really there's really nothing to say. I I can't get on the field to throw. But I can't stay away from the games. And I thought, hey, if I can make sports for people, I can still contribute and help other athletes get that little bit of enjoyment like what I get when I go compete. Good. Make sure they get a good tool, get them, get them out in the field competing. That's why I do it. It's not about the money. It's about you know growing the games one fork at a time. So you know, for a good time, oh. I love, I'm going to use that. One fork Gro- at a time. Growing the games one fork at a time. We're stealing it. All right. Uh, take care, Malcolm. We'll talk to you soon. Malcolm. Duncan. Hey, y'all be good. Take it easy. <laughs> All right, Duncan. Hey. <laughs> Malcolm, where'd that come <laughs> from? No, sh- shout out, brother. Love you. Take care, bro. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> y'all be good. <laughs> I promise you, when this is over, you can cry all you want, and I won't say a word. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. Who doggy?
Thanks again to our sponsors, Mattress Ranch, www.mattressranch.com, and the G-Force Strength Unit. Thanks for all the Facebook likes. We're from 203 all the way up to 210. Woohoo! Wow! <laughs> Jeez, four more, and I get a set of steak knives. <laughs> Big Daddy, next time we are going to be recording for talk from the 150th Victoria Highland Games. You know what? That's orgasmic. It is fantastic. Um, I'm anxious for that one. I think you guys all will want to tune in. Uh, we are likely going to be talking about cabers. We're going to be talking. To, there's going to be a bunch of sheaf widows in yeah, the crowd. That's a new topic. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking with a lot of special guests because we're doing on-field interviews. Yep. People will be able to come up to the table and just rap with us about stuff. It should be good. The Oscars red carpet got <laughs> nothing on us, brother. It'll be awesome. As everybody knows, the Fork Talk podcast comes out twice a month. If you got any questions or comments, you'll email us at info at forktalk. Dot com that's fork dash talk dot com or Facebook Fork Talk with Big Daddy and Hoss. Until next time, may the fork be with you. Big Daddy, you are the sheaf to my fork. Ah, uh, I normally end with a Scottish goodbye, Schlanchamor, right? Which means big health. Yep. But this time, in honor of Cinco de Mayo, yes. I'm going to end with this one. Salute. Excellent, Captain Quint. Take it away. That's right. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. Thanks for listening to Fork Talk with your sheep fork wielding lovable host, Big Daddy and Hoss. Check out www.fork-talk.com for more episodes. We throw heavy stuff for fun, people. Caber up!